That's what we got to the first round in the NFL draft. My name is Aldo Gandia. We've got a great show planned for you today. And yes, three weeks from now, it will be the first round of the NFL draft, a historic draft, I think, for the Chicago Bears. They've traded out of that first overall position, acquired picks, and wide receiver DJ Moore. Tonight with Dandy and Neil, we'll talk about some players. They're going to hold a little bit of a debate, and we've got a very special guest, JP Acosta, who really knows his stuff, and the guys are going to have fun debating with him and discussing things with him. So that's going to be a real fun segment, and we'll get to that in just a minute. I just want to remind everyone that we've got our Patreon page up. Greg Gabriel and Danny Shimon offering four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten-minute reports on some of your favorite prospects. This is the last month the page will be open. It costs you only ten bucks, and you're going to have access to dozens of scouting reports. We are dropping a number of them this weekend, so don't miss out. This is a taste of what's on there. This is uh, Greg Gabriel talking about offensive line play and what is important for the Chicago Bears. To see who made up the offensive line this year, they're all athletic. And why are they athletic? Because, like, the tackle's got to pull a lot. they got to get out in space. they got to adjust on the move, be able to hit a moving target, break down in, in the open space and hit a moving target. So you're not going to get these unless the guy's a freak and he's really a, a rare athlete for being so big, you're not going to get these 330, 335-pound guys. You're going to get guys that are usually in the three teens, maybe 322, 323. But it, 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 a lot of it depends on their athleticism. So you have to pay attention to not only the 40, but with linemen, really, what's important is the 10-yard speed. And but then you look at the 20 yard shuttle and the three cone and obviously you want to look for some explosiveness. So that's where the, the standing long jump and the vertical jump come into play. That's Greg, Greg Gabriel, former director of scouting for the Chicago Bears and Danny Shimon, scout for player agents. We are going to talk Football now for the next 60 to 90 minutes. Let me bring in the guys one at a time, starting with with Danny Shimon. I was going to say Neil Stopchinsky, but uh, you, you're you a lot uglier than Neil. Yeah, for sure. How are you, brother? When we walk out, Neil's got all the girls. Oh, oh, my gosh. They gravitate to him like uh, honey on uh, whatever the expression yeah. is. Well, on whatever, you know. I, uh, I warned JP already that you were ready to do to debate with him every single prospect that he oh. brings up. And so he's really looking forward to it. I see him right now off camera uh, taping up his boxing gloves. So he's ready to go. But let me bring in Neil Stopchinsky first. The, the aforementioned handsome guy, Neil Stopchinsky. Ladies, man, you, my friend. You, you clowns are trying to get me in trouble. 
We don't say you go out looking for it. It just, it just they, they just come to you. They gravitate to you. That's all. That's right. Saying. That's right. Uh, I don't so, know about all that now. Okay. <laughs> I don't exactly go out with that sort of, uh, you know, mojo it's anymore. Like I'm walking you know next I mean? to him. I just, I just want his discard. Exactly. Like, nope, not good enough. I got, I'll take her. We have been in a bar together once since twice. I've known you. I think it was twice. Man, you guys. I believe it was twice. twice. That was you, wasn't it? What that was, was the other you? time? <laughs> we'll discuss it off air. It's okay. We'll discuss it off yeah. air. Well, I'll tell you this. JP is definitely a guy who attracts all the ladies, whatever bar he's at. JP, how are you, brother? I'm doing good, guys. Thanks for having me on again. I'm excited to talk ball. JP, a little bit about yourself before we get started. You went to Northwestern University, right? Yes, sir. Master Tell us about your experience. In... Tell us about your experience there and what you're doing now professionally. Yep, master's degree in sports journalism from Northwestern. Uh, being a Florida kid, it was very, very cold. Did not adjust to that very well. Saw I first understood the concept of black ice, almost slipping in front of my uh, apartment trying to go get groceries. That wasn't very fun, folks. If you want to know about black ice. Just stay off the road. Stay off the sidewalks. <laughs> a great time. It helped me get the job where I'm at today, which is covering the NFL draft, college football, NFL football for SB Nation. Sometimes I write about college basketball. Sometimes I'll write about plants holding machetes. Whatever comes across the timeline on Twitter, I'll probably end up writing about it. Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to get this started right away and throw you to the wolves. Danny, why don't you lead off the questioning <laughs> Well, the first question I had is, is, if you live in Florida, why would you ever move to Chicago, man? Because that's the one thing I, I would never want to do. But I understand you're, you're pursuing your, your dreams or something. But did you graduate or did you go to FAU? Yep, I'm an undergrad. I graduated with a bachelor's in multimedia studies. I was working for the student newspaper, managing editor, business manager, worked on the school radio, uh, helped run their social media. We threw right. tortillas in the student union once. That was probably the highlight of the uh, the run on social media for student uh, radio, but yep, undergrad at FAU, grad at Northwestern. Well, I was gonna say you're probably proud of the, of the boys and in, in the basketball tournament. They, they went all the way you know, to the final four this year, so must have been running them on there. Yep, it was a fantastic run. I was actually able to cover the games when they were in the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight to advance to the final four. It was an environment like none other. Having being able to look up in Madison Square Garden and see. East Regional Champions, Florida Atlantic University. For such a school that's so young as Florida Atlantic, not really having sports, prominent sports until the late 1980s, 1990s, this was the biggest moment in school history. And I was just glad to be there to witness it. That's right, awesome, right. It was, yeah, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, awesome run. But uh, all right, let, let, let's get let's get talk, talk business here. I talk some some NFL draft. Obviously, you know, we, we you know bar room here, recover predominantly the bears and, you know, Neil and I have been, been scouting uh, a lot of these prospects, just kind of looking at, at them and, you know, in terms of just from the, from the, you know, uh, focus of the bears right now, you know, their scheme, their, their fits and all that stuff. So obviously with the, the big trade down with, with, you know, from, from one to nine is, has been the big talk here. And then obviously now trying to refill this roster. So in terms of overall of, of the draft, you know, in terms of the, 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 the breakdown, like what areas do you see where, the strengths lie and in, in, in terms of you know what positions do you see like you know if, if you're gonna attack attack early don't wait too long on a particular position group so i think one of the deeper classes this year 
is actually the offensive line. I think the Bears are perfectly set up to take one of the premier guys at nine, or even if they wait, if they want to trade back again, acquire more picks, get to the middle of the first round. I think there are going to be guys there that can be first-year starters, develop into really good players down the line. You know, you think of, of course, the top three, Peter Skaronsky, Paris Johnson Jr., Broderick Jones, all three combined diff- have different play styles, different things that they bring to the table. But then once you get past them, you think of a guy like Anton Harrison from Oklahoma. He's going to be 21 years old when the season starts. He- great athlete, really strong upside, real strong hands. That's a guy who plays with a lot of play strength, got to work a little bit on the flexibility. But that's a guy 20 years old, going to be 21 before the season. That's a guy you want to bring in as a starter and develop into something really good. You look at a guy like Darnell Wright, exclusively right tackle, but one of the more rock-solid right tackles that has entered the NFL. You think about the Tennessee against Alabama game. He he beat Will Anderson multiple times in the passing game, and that's something we really don't get to say a lot about uh, prospects entering the draft this year. Will Anderson beat almost everybody, but you look at the offensive line depth just across the board. You look think about the tackles, interior offensive line. You got Osiris Torrance. You got a guy like Steve Avila, who played for TCU, multi-year starter, senior, going to provide a lot of power on the inside. You think a guy like Cody Mock, North Dakota State, played, came into North Dakota State as a tight end, put on 60 pounds, moved to tackle, could move to the inside to guard. I've heard people say he might be best at center, but he provides versatility to play all positions along the offensive line. So that's a position I think is really deep, really talented, I think the edge class is also really good this upcoming year. But I think if there's one where I, where the top heavy talent might be a little better than the overall depth, honestly, I think the receiver class might not have these superstars, but I think they're going to be very solid wide receiver twos, wide receiver threes, wide receiver fours going into the NFL. There's not going to, you're not going to get a Jamar Chase or a Justin Jefferson in this draft, but they're going to be a bunch of good starters that come out of it. I, I agree. I, I think I think tackle is specifically a, a you know an area where, where the Bears who have a need at, specifically at right tackle. In my in my opinion is an area where they could they could attack it. You know, possibly second, third round. You you know you mentioned a couple of names that I like as well. But a, a guy that I like I, I love actually around North Carolina, Asim Richards, is a guy that also uh, you know Bergeron from Syracuse. There's a ton of guys. You know, Warren Carter from Pitt is also a guy that that I like a lot in terms of as a right tackle as well. So definitely, definitely a lot of talent there. The one thing uh, talking about the top three and and Peter Scranzi, I have obviously talked about you going to Northwestern. May have seen him play live. Uh, I, I'm I'm an arms guy, and I, I know this is going to be a big debate in terms of arm length. And, and uh, to me, there hasn't been an, a tackle with sub 33 inch arms. And I'm sorry. And and even though I I watch his tape and I do see him get you know struggling sometimes you know catching defensive guys off the edge instead of just actually being able to shoot his arms and being able to keep him off his frame. So for me, he's like he's a guard at the next level. Might be an All Pro left guard. You know, Zach Martin is the example I use for for Skaronsky. So you know, do you see him playing tackle the next at the next level, or do you do you see him also like I do kick him inside a guard? I actually think you. Should, I think I actually think teams should try him at tackle. To start out at first, I think just off of the tape that he put out at Northwestern over his time there, he's so technically sound. I understand all of the arm length concerns, and it is it is a concern. It's a very valid concern. But I think the way that he uses his hands and the way that he uses 
the lack of length to his advantage and being able to have great timing. He's great in the run game. He's someone who could play legitimately all the positions except for center off on the offensive line. But I think you start him out at tackle. If things don't work out there, you can kick him inside the guard. You're just going to have a rock solid player at any of the guard or tackle positions. You kind of think of how the Cow- Cowboys have set up Tyler Smith. You know, he came in, they were going to play him at guard. They had injuries happen. He moved back out to tackle. Those tackles came back healthy. He moved right back in the guard. So that's something I think that Peter Skaronsky can do in his rookie year, but you have the upside of a potential all pro at guard or tackle. Is there a player um, in this draft class, whether it's, you know, an edge guy or a D tackle, what are position that, that you feel like, you know, is not getting that first round buzz right now that you feel could come in, you know, whether it's the bears, whether it's any, any team in the NFL and just be an impact player right away. So I actually think there's one, and I think it's LSU's BJ Ojulari. I think that a lot of this edge class, it's a lot of guys who are going to try and go through you. They're guys who are going to be great on stunts and loops. They win with power. And that's something that we're kind of seeing with the development of the modern NFL. You're seeing more guys who want to win with the long arm and then bull rush you into the quarterback. Because if you're going to, lo- if you're going to lose um, integrity as a speed rusher, the quarterback's going to get up and out of the pocket. And that's where you're going to get hurt. But where B.J. Ojulari excels is – his speed and his bend, he doesn't lose gap integrity when he's going around the edge. He's such a good pass rusher right now where I think that's a guy who isn't getting a lot of buzz because of the the, the huge Nolan Smith jump. I think Nolan Smith is a fantastic player, one of my favorite players this year, but I think B.J. Ujulari is in the conversation to be one of the better pure pass rushers in this draft class. That's an interesting point there, bud. Um you know, there's uh, there, there's actually not been a whole lot of talk on this show about B.J. Ojulari. You know, it, it, he hasn't really been a guy that has come up. We haven't really broken him down. Um, he's a guy that we talked about coming out of the combine, I believe, Danny. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. We touched on him a little bit. But, uh, you know, that, that, that that's a guy that I feel like in terms of where the Bears are drafting, we're either not going to get to him or, you know, for other, other reason at those particular positions where he's slotted, we'd, we'd be, you know, probably better off taking a different player in terms of draft value, in terms of like where he's going to fall, those, those different types of things. You know, me personally, I feel like, you know, at nine, it's going to be either edge rusher, it's going to be uh, offensive tackle. You know, personally, I don't feel like Tyree Wilson is going to be there at nine, but if he does, if you have Tyree Wilson and either Paris Johnson or, or uh, you know, Broderick Jones, you know, sitting there where you're trying to decide between the three of those guys, which to me personally, those are the three guys I'm deciding between. Where do you think you where, where do you think you go number one, but then also the Bears go number two? Oh man, this is this is interesting because I'm like you. I don't think Tyree Wilson will be there when the Bears pick at nine. But in the event that he does, I think I would choose Tyree Wilson before the uh, tackle prospects. You think about Matt Eberflus, where he comes from in Indianapolis. They spent a lot of early draft picks, a lot of high draft picks on edge rushers. You think of Quiddy Pye. They drafted him in the first round of the 2020 draft. You think of a guy like Dale Odenigbo. They drafted him out of Vanderbilt, second round. The Colts went and got DeForest Buckner, traded a premium first round pick for DeForest Buckner. He wants to build along the defensive line. That is where if they're going to play a very Tampa 2 heavy heavy zone scheme where they're not going to blitz a lot. You need the win with four. Tyree Wilson is a guy where I think his best football is ahead of him. 
They used him a lot in a lot of different ways. He was out on the edge. He played inside a lot. At Texas Tech, he was lining up over guards, and that's something I think he can do. I think you can kick him inside on third downs, but he's a strong side in. He's going to be solid against the run, and I think he's still developing as a pass rusher. But you can see the flashes when he converts speed to power. His explosion, I don't see it more as explosion off of the edge like burst or bend. His explosion going through you. He is one of the guys where if he gets his hands on you, you're going to fall. But I will say, I think the Bears and where Ryan Poles comes from, if Paris Johnson Jr. is there, I think Paris Johnson Jr. is also a sure thing. I think he offers, out of the three top three tackles, I think he offers the best blend of athleticism and tools with technique. I think He's a, he's a great athlete, phenomenal athlete, played left tackle at Ohio State. He can handle passing. He can handle NFL passing stunt situations. He's got power. He's got technique. That's a guy who you can plug in and be a plug-and-play starter. I think Broderick Jones is a little raw, but the athletic tools just – they jump out when you watch him. He's just moving guys. You want to get him out in space and let him run, but – I think Paris Johnson Jr. offers kind of the best blend of the top three. But if it were me, I think I'm taking Tyree Wilson if he's there. Yeah, Tyree Wilson was, was my was my top edge rusher, even even ahead of Will Anderson. And I and I know that's going to be I'm, I'm being the minority there, but I mean I don't care. If I put on this kid's tape and and he is just wreaking havoc and he's getting better. This guy is not even fully developed yet. I mean I I don't know how much better uh, Will Anderson can get to be honest with you. He might he might be maxed out, but. Tyree Wilson, I know, is not maxed out. So that's why he was my top edge rusher. You know, someone in the chat mentioned his, his medical. Uh, I, I think, you know, that, that was that broken bone in his foot. Um, you know, obviously he hasn't worked out. So that's going to be a key thing with Tyree Wilson is, is making sure. So far, nothing's leaked. We haven't heard anything in terms of any red flags. You know, all, obviously all the teams are doing their due diligence on that foot. But, yeah, Tyree Wilson, man, that's special. And, and Neil, just real quick on BJ Algelari. You know, I, I like the kids hustle. I like the, kid, the way the kid plays. His mortar runs hot all the time. The only thing is he's 6'2", 248, 250 maybe. And, and I think to me right there, he's a 3'4", he's a outside linebacker. I just don't know if he's a fit for this mm-hmm. scheme. So that, that's where that's where I kind of, you know, have to kind of step back on, on B.J. Ojolari. But I love this brother coming out of Georgia. So, you know, I, I just, you know, obviously those NFL bloodlines, you always, always come on, you know, you always you look for that as well. So, but I, there's, a, there's a guy, in the, speaking of the second round, a defensive tackle, that, well, he's an end, but I think a defense tackle at the next level is and I love this kid. It's Tuli Tuapaluto from USC, and he's a guy that he's the 266 bothers me because you know that's that's too light to be kicked inside. But here here in Chicago, you know, we had a guy named Henry Melton back in the in the you know 2000s under you know Lovey Smith, where they you know he was a running back went to Texas as a running back, converted defensive end in college, and then ended up coming here and being a Pro Bowl three technique, and that's kind of the the vision I see for, for uh, Thule here as well. So you know, what are your thoughts on, on Thule from, from USC? So I think Thule's a very interesting case because I think he played at around 280 at USC. He cut a lot of weight to get down to 266 at the Combine. I think you can see a lot. You, you can't fake the production that he had at USC in his final year. You can't fake those numbers. I do think it's going to be interesting where he plays. He doesn't really have the speed to hang on the edge consistently in passing situations. I think he is a, he's another one of those heavy fives. You want to put him on the strong side, defend the run, kick him inside on passing downs. Think of kind of like a Michael Bennett in a way where where Michael Bennett was on the edge in Seattle on early downs, kicked inside on passing downs to let them get all their horses out on the pass rush. I think that's a guy that 
you bring in, he's going to be someone you can rotate in on the inside as a pass rusher. You can have him play on early downs, and you can develop him into a starting caliber player. I think there are a lot of guys that are kind of tweeners like that, where you have the production on the edge, but they also had the, they had the profile of an edge rusher, but they played some inside. You think of a guy like Carl Brooks from Bowling Green. He was lining up as a wide nine at Bowling Green and getting pass rush, and he has some very – he's so fluid as a pass rusher. It's just 6'3", 303 should not move the way Carl Brooks does on the edge. Right. Right. But he's 6'3", 303. You don't know if he can consistently hold up on the edge with speed. But that's another guy you want to move him inside. You want to be versatile with him. Another guy out of Tommy Adibare killed the combine, has killed the post-regular season – in college football process, an athletic marvel. He, he's not the biggest. He's like 6'1", 6'2", 281, long arms, strong hands. He absolutely uses those levers in the run game. You want a ready-made run defender? That is Adetami Adibare. I think he's getting there as a pass rusher, but that's a guy you can bring in, like I said, have him on the edge as a run defender, kick him inside in the passing game. And that's there are a lot of guys like that, but those are a few guys I think on day two, you can absolutely get those guys. Yeah, 100%. I love Tommy. We've talked about him on every single show that we have had since we started this back up in January. I, I and, you know, talk about times, different lights as well. I, I butchered his name a couple of times. Yeah, you, you're doing really well there, Danny. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting you're better. I'm, really I, keep, well. I keep practicing. And I said, you know, uh, GP, I, I said the Bears draft Tommy. I'm, I'm just going to call him double A. I'm not even going to try and, you know, <laughs> butcher his name anymore, so. But it, t- it takes a lot squared. of time. I was at Northwestern. And I was I was sitting there practicing it in the car on the car rides up to games. I'm like, add E Tommy Wah. Okay, I think I got it. I was sounding out like I was back in kindergarten sounding out phrases. But that's another guy where you just you get him on the field and just let him be a ready-made run defender. That is one of the, one of the best games he had all season was against Ohio State and against Paris Johnson Jr where he's just mm-hmm. absolutely crushing dudes in the run game. He is That is what he does best. Yeah, the thing about him is, is that they did kind of play him a little bit out of position in terms of where he's being projected to go and uh, play full-time in the NFL. You know, he's going to kick inside the three technique, at least for us he's going to. And with that size, you saw what he did at the at the Senior Bowl. He just absolutely dominated with his speed to power, with his bull rush. And, you know, when, when he has a guy even remotely beat, he was able to get home. And, and that's, you know, obviously the type of guy that we need here in Chicago. You know, the thing about it is, is that had he had better, you know, on, on-field production, had he better sack production, had his tape looked a little bit more dynamic, he's probably a, a first-round no-brainer to me. But since he didn't have that that production, you know, coming out of his, you know, final year there at Northwestern, probably the reason why he's going to fall a little bit. Now, as much as me and Daniel love him, hopefully he's there towards the back, you know, at the back end of the second round a little bit to where we can go ahead and get a really high value pick, I feel, in terms of what we think that kid could be in terms of projection. Um, I have seen, a, you know, some projections where he goes high, you know, back into the first round. I just don't, I think that's just a little bit too rich. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I don't think he's going to sneak into the back end of the first round. I think the edge talent is way too deep. You're going to see guys like, Ojulari possibly sneak into the back end of the first round. Lucas Van Ness is going to go very high. And then we haven't even talked about where Nolan Smith can go. Nolan Smith is a guy where I don't think he necessarily fits in Chicago with their 4-3 defense. He's 6'2", 238. I don't think he would survive as a hand-in-the-dirt pass rusher, but that's another guy who's going to go very, very high in the pass rush class and the edge rusher. 
he, I just don't think Adetami was going to sneak into the back end of the first round. I think he is a solid day two guy. I think when we possibly look back at this draft and maybe like five, 10 years, going to be like, hey, how did this guy end up on day two? Exactly. But that's a guy you got to take there. Yeah, that's going to be one of those deals where it's going to seem absolutely absurd that nobody took him in the first round. Just again, judging one thousand percent on you know how that kid projects with his measurables, with his with his testing numbers, but you know that, that that's when people like us chime in and say, "Oh well, you know, hey, the film didn't look that great to be a first round guy. Production wasn't there. Yeah, the numbers were great, but you can't base everything off the underwear Olympics." You know, similarly, you have a guy like Kalaja Kansi, who this fan base absolutely loves, and is a guy that everybody wants to talk about being a first round guy. Again, a little bit too rich for my blood. But also, I feel like he isn't quite all the way a fit for the Bears in terms of, you know, his measurables. You know, we like uh, we're, we're looking for prototypes, you know, big, long, you know, tall, uh, absurdly athletic, which, which he has. And he has all the production on tape, you know, something that double A doesn't have. But with his measurables, I just don't feel like he'd be a guy that that polls would bring in. What's your thoughts on him? So I. I love the pass rush Kaliza Kansi brings. It's just amazing twitch and flexibility from the interior, something that you, you rarely see as a defensive player, as you see from a defensive tackle in the NFL. The problem is he's 6'1", 278 maybe. I think the comparisons to Aaron Donald are really out of hand because there is nobody like Aaron Donald, but mm-hmm. we're, we're going to see undersized detail from Pitt. And that's the first thing we go to, but I think Kalijah Kansi, he can be more of a tweener at the NFL level than what's being projected. I don't think he's a true blue three tech when you get him into the NFL, maybe in a four three, I think he's a guy who could possibly maneuver around the defensive line. I think you can play him inside and out, but I just worry about, not the not necessarily just how short his arms are, but, but how small the frame is. It's like it looks like his frame is maxed out at this point. There's nothing you're going to put on to get him to be a stronger player at a point of attack. Yeah, I, I agree. His, his tape is is worthy of, of first round, but again, just the the measurables. You know, I'm, again, people say you know get at me for for the arm stuff, but. It, it's you know 30 inch arms is, is not something that that that's gonna you know play in the NFL. I, if if it does, great. I just don't. I think first round monies or first round pick is just too rich for me as well. You know, but if you get in the second round, I, I'll take a shot at him in the second round for because he fits the profile in terms of interior pass rusher guy that can twitchy can get up into those gaps. You know, Eberflus defense wants to get up and make pressure with the front four guys. You know that he fits there. It's just you know. First round a little bit too rich for me, but uh, you know, j- just kind of going through the rest of the, the rest of the draft. There's another edge guy that that I'm really high on that I've, I've kind of started hearing some some you know buzz about him lately, and that's a kid from uh, from Kansas State, Uzama. I think he's a guy another under a tweener type, right? He's a little undersized, doesn't have the the prototypical you know size and dimensions of, of a defensive end, or might be you know not as twitchy for an outside linebacker, but man. You put on his tape and you see a guy putting on a pass rush clinic. And, you know, I, I like my pass rush match guys to have that bend. And I, you know, I, I try and explain it like, you know, give him examples like Robert Quinn in his prime or, you know, some of these great pass rushers, you know, the guys that get kind of parallel to the ground. And, and Uzama has that, you know, Will McDonald, another guy has that bend. And those are the guys that I'm looking at, at, at hopefully in the second round for the Bears to to kind of pluck one of those guys and fill in that, that need for a pass rusher. Any chance 
you know, one or both those guys are available, either pick 53 or, or 61 where the Bears are coming up at? I think Felix and Adike Uzama is a very nice fit in Chicago for what they want to run. Like you said, he's got Ben, man. I think about Ben in terms of like a figure skater. Fig and speed skaters have really flexible ankles and hips. Mm -hmm. That's how Von Miller is able to bend around the corner. It's not just he's standing straight up. It's he's got he's getting so low to the ground where he's almost parallel. And he's getting the arm back up, and the offensive lineman can do nothing about it. Felix Enadiki Uzama has that bend. The motor runs hot all the time. I do worry a little bit about the athletic measurables, but that's another guy, 4-3 in. You can put him in on there in third downs, let him go to work. I think Will McDonald's a very interesting case. I love Will McDonald. He is 6'3", 6'3 240, maybe on a good right. day, 235, 238 probably. But you look at the counter moves are really what surprises me about Will McDonald. He has a great spin move back to the inside. He's got nice. He's got nice bend. I really do worry about the playing weight though for Will McDonald because yeah. I think the difference between him and Nolan Smith is Nolan Smith is more of a built two thirty eight. Will McDonald right now still a little wiry, still a little thin. I worry about how he would how he would fit in a true blue. 4-3 in where he's having to take on the offensive guards at all or offensive tackles at all times. But he did come from an Iowa State defense that had him playing five technique on the inside shoulder of guards or not inside shoulder of guards, outside shoulder of guards, inside shoulder of tackles. They had him playing, getting double teamed all the time. And he was still making plays. So you worry a little bit about the frame. But if you want a guy who can come in, be an immediate pass rusher, that's the guy that you want. Absolutely love Will McDonald. And, you know, you could argue that the reason why he's not being projected as a surefire first round pick is just because of, you know, you know, the, the weight issue, the, the, the projective, you know, you know, you know, growth plates and, and everything else. Um, you know, if that dude was up to, you know, 252, 60 right now, holy hell, we'd be talking about him in number nine, potentially if Tyree Wilson's yeah. off the board. Right. And, you know, by that same token, Felix, it's been said, you know, by those are that, you know, were there at Kansas State's Pro Day, that his Pro Day wasn't exactly anything to shake a stick at, which is probably potentially good for the Bears in terms of a guy that could go higher in round two, that could drop towards the back end of round two and be right there for the taking for us, you know, towards the back end there. Um, in terms of, of other uh, edge rushers there, I uh, uh, not necessarily a guy that I would stick at defensive end or edge or anything like that, but a guy I also think is versatile enough to move inside of three, Keon White out of Georgia Tech. Again, the kid's incredibly impressive, and obviously he's he's an underwear Olympics warrior. Um, you know, what, what's your thoughts on that guy? His ability to come in, be versatile, and you know, fit also at the same time what the Bears are doing. You know, being kind of like what I was talking about before, a little bit of a prototype in terms of his size measurables, athletic measurables, field production, all those different types of things. Yeah, so it's actually a funny story. When I was in Mobile for the Senior Bowl and. I saw Keon White on the field. Now I asked some of my friends, I'm like, hey, what did he weigh in at? And they're like, yeah, he weighed in at 280. And I'm like, 280? He, yeah. he doesn't look 280, but he carries that weight really well. He measured in, I believe, 285 at the combine. He carries that weight really well. He's got big legs. And he looks a lot leaner than 280, which tells me he could he could possibly put on more weight, but you want him being a heavy, he's heavy fives. Strong side defensive end. Like I said, a lot of guys this year like that this year. I think Georgia Tech played him a little out of position, so he didn't really have the production. But 
when he was at, down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, he had some really nice moves using speed, converting speed to power. That's a guy who I could possibly think could sneak into the back of the first round. That's another guy with the run on edge rushers that we could possibly get. He could sneak into the back of the first round and be a guy where you bring him in and he can move multiple around in multiple spots and be a good, good to great defensive lineman. There's another guy I think – Miles Murphy from Clemson has gone kind of underrated. He hasn't tested yet because of a hamstring issue, but I think he's a great fit as a true edge in Chicago's defense. I think he is a good, I think he's a good, not great player. He has, he does a lot of stuff. Well, strong in the run game, does some nice stuff in the pass rush, really good athlete. I think he's just going to, he's going to be a really solid player. player. Yep, Exactly. He's going to Was be he supposed to have uh, performed in Clemson's uh, secondary pro day? Uh, no, he uh, he had a hamstring issue, I believe, and I think they're they're having a, a special one for him later on this month, just for him. April fourth. He was supposed to have gone April fourth. I haven't I heard anything about how well he did or if he even performed, but that was supposed, that, that was on the schedule at least. I think he was still nursing the injury. I think he pushed it back right. to April tenth. I have to check that again, but he's supposed to be working out April tenth. I want to see the athletic numbers there. He's He's going to test good, but like I said, that's going to be a guy. I think he's going to be a film bro guy. I think he's not going to have a bunch of the huge highlights. He's not going to put up crazy sack numbers, but he's going to be a solid, solid player for 10 plus. When I broke down Miles Murphy and and then, you know, he was getting all that top 10 buzz and I'm like, he's not a top 10 buzz kind of player. He's a guy you trade down in the middle to lower half of the first round. He's going to be a solid, you know, a left end for you for years to come. He's a guy you can win with, but not because of in terms of, you know, providing a, you know, a consistent pass rush. So another thing with Keon, real quick, obviously he's still a project, you know, was a tight end, played at Old Dominion, uh, had, you know, one real good season last year at Georgia Tech. I think, and I agree with Neil, kick him inside a three technique, especially in this system, because I I think he'll be more productive. Right now, I think he's a a pretty solid run defender, but I think his, he's going to be a better player in the future. He's not there yet. So that's why I didn't, I didn't, you know, I don't like the first round buzz on him. Uh, just because of the, you know, I, I understand why he would go in the first round because of his measurables and, and his potential. But I just, for the Bears specifically, like he's too too much of a developmental player to go there. But I believe Aldo's got some some questions for you from our chat. So Aldo, you want to go ahead and take it away? You're on mute, buddy. Uh, I put five dollars in the jar. Um, <laughs> here are, by the way, Miles Murphy's numbers. He did work out at the Clemson Pro Day uh, yesterday, and the forty-yard dash came in at four-five-two. He weighed oh, in at two hundred and sixty-eight. That's amazing, four-five-two. Number ten-yard split, one sixty-one, three cone, seven twenty-two. The vertical was thirty-one inches and twenty-five reps on the bench press. I think he is cured of that hamstring injury, fellas. <laughs> Seems like it. Four-five-two. I think the hamstring is perfectly yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah, the one six one is, is what I, I really look at, oh, and yeah. I, I think that's 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 perfect there as well. Uh, mm-hmm. And again, the seven two two three cone. Obviously, he's not he's not a real bendy guy off the edge. He's more of a straight line power rusher uh, with with a, you know solid first up. So yeah, I mean, again, if you trade down, if either Bears you trade down, he's there. Let's say I don't know, pick eighteen twenty something like that. That'd be a solid first round pick. Again, a solid you know base defensive end for you. I'm going to start uh, with a question from Senor Munoz. He writes, Mr. Acosta, don't you think you're getting your left tackle to give JF1 should be the number one priority for the Chicago Bears? So I think in this case, I think it should be. It should be the number one priority. Protect Justin Fields. 
protect the investment you made at quarterback. However, I do also think with the talent that's at, that's in this tackle class, you could potentially find a guy who drops into the second round. Like Anton Harrison has been mocked anywhere from 17 to Pittsburgh to deep into the second round. You could potentially find a guy there. If Tyree Wilson falls, I think you take you swing on Tyree Phil, Phil, I, Tyree Wilson, excuse me, mm-hmm. because of how Matt Eberflus likes to build his team, likes to build his teams and where he's come from. They like to build along the defensive line. They have spent they spent a lot of picks on the defensive line. So I think I think I would with knowing Matt Eberflus's background, I think they would go edge rusher, especially if Tyree is there. But if not, any of the top three uh, pass protectors will be the pick. Plus, if I could chime in real quick, I, I, I don't know why they keep doing this, but the Bears have a left tackle. His name is Braxton Jones. You need a right tackle. <laughs> and I, I keep saying this over and over again. And, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, JP, uh, you know, the only, you know, obviously I, I think uh, Skronsky is a left guard. So we, we've gone over that. But but only between Jones uh, and, uh, and uh, um, Paris Johnson, I, I, think, I think Jones is strictly a left tackle. Uh, Roger Jones, I think he's strictly a left tackle. I haven't seen him play right tackle. He's only had 19 career starts, so the inexperience worries me a little bit. But his upside is, is much much greater than uh, Paris Johnson. But Paris Johnson has right side experience playing right guard two seasons ago. So that's why, from for the Bears, I'd go Paris, Paris Johnson over Roger Jones because of the experience on the right side because I'm specifically putting him at right tackle. Agree or disagree? Yeah, I think – Braxton Jones, when I was watching the Bears this year, I think he did rather well considering the circumstances that he was put in. I think he and Tevin Jenkins were a really good run-blocking duo. I think there's real development. There's growth that can be had there as a pass protector. I think that another season of development, you could get a starter, a starting caliber player out of Braxton Jones. Now, right tackle, it's not the case. I think you find a guy, this is possibly where I think the argument for Skaronsky is where you can put him at right tackle. He's played right tackle. You can put him at guard with the arm length, but I think Paris Johnson, Peter Skaronsky, Braxton Jones is going to be the left tackle. And then right tackle is going to be up for grabs. So I thought Skaronsky played all three years at left tackle. Did I miss, did I miss something there? He has to play right tackle at Northwestern. Skaronsky? I, think, I think he played all at left, but I think he has the experience from back in high school playing right. I think, He's. I think he. Can, I think he can play right tackle. I think I read that somewhere too. Cornelius asks, "What do you think, JP, of Dylan Horton from TCU?" The very well built player. Again, another one of those guys. And I was down in Mobile. Carried two sixty five very well. Obviously, in TCU's defense, which is another one of those three safety defenses, three three five offshoots. He wasn't asked to do a lot on the edge, so I worry a little bit about the true ability to play on the edge as a Dylan Horton, but he's another one of those guys where you put him on a strong side end, have him stop the run, kick him inside on passing downs where he can use his quickness to beat guards. That's a guy who I think late day two, early day three, I think that's the range for him, but somebody's going to take a chance on the athleticism, 6'4", 265. It's a big dude, strong dude. He's got pretty nice hands. I think you can make something work there as a strong side end. I'll ask JP, and I'd love the, your thoughts too, Neil and Danny. Uh, uh, he, J2K really likes uh, Felix Anodiki Uzoa. I think 
think I nailed that one. How high do you think he gets drafted? I've seen him in the second round, but I think he'll he'll go in the first. You know what? I agree with J2K. I keep seeing him at the top of the second round on the few marks that I've done, but I, I think he's a first rounder. What do you think? I think he is a lock for the second round. I think with, again, the guys that are going to go at edge, I think Keon White is probably going to slide into the back of the first round potentially. You got a guy like Van Ness who has his range could possibly be anywhere from eight to Atlanta all the way back into the back end of the first round. Nolan Smith is going to go first round. Miles Murphy is going to go first round. There are a lot of guys and not a lot of spots where teams could use edge rushers, especially a guy like Felix Enrique Uzama, who is probably going to be best as a 4-3 end. You possibly, if the Bears want to get him in the second round, I'm looking at a team like either New Orleans or Kansas City. Those are really the only two teams here, the back end of the draft, who could possibly take him. I don't see that happening. I think he is a lock for day two. Um, you guys want to jump in real quickly, Danny or Neil? Yeah, yeah we, we talked about it earlier. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a big Uzama fan. I think uh, if he's there in the second round, he, he fits the profile in terms of what you want as an edge rusher from the system. He's got the bend. He's got the, the quick first step. Doesn't have the, the, the measurables that you want in terms of a, of a base defensive end, but I think he's a guy that you can – live with out there uh initially he'll be it might be a, just a pass rush specialist we'll see how he develops there but uh yeah definitely again I, I love that kid coming out as, as edge defender i get him and will mcdonald and Derek hall are, are three guys that i've kind of circled there in that, that second round range where i think the bears can can strike gold with anyone those three in terms of pass rushing guys yeah question for yeah yeah just just real quick i mean you know i i like to ask this question of everybody that comes on because you know People have different opinions, and I love to hear what's inside people's heads. In terms of surprises, who's going to sneak into you know the top end of the, of the first that nobody's talking about, or who's going to go day two that nobody's talking about right now? In your opinion? Oh man, um, I think I think the slide for if it's, if we're just looking at everybody of all positions across the board, the NFL draft, I think Quentin Johnston is going to take a slide. I think. People were projecting him as early as possibly 11 or 12. That second, the 12 second pick to Houston, I don't think he's going to go that high. I think he's going to go near the back end of the first round. I, I'm still trying to see it with Quentin Johnston. You see the ability after the catch. You see the speed, the long speed, but mm-hmm. he's very much a body catcher right now he catches with his body instead of his hands the drop rate reflects that every highlight that you see he's going up and catching the ball with his chest especially when he's going up and making those contested catches something you really don't want to see from a guy who's 6'2 208 who's supposed to be this above the rim contested catch specialist but I think the talent's going to be enough to keep him in the first round I just don't think he's going to be anywhere near the top 15. Um, if I could chime in there real quick for Neil, question. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know it wasn't directed to me, but uh, uh, I, I was, if you guys can attest, I was one of the first guys to tell you that uh, Richardson was going to go top 10. And I think I'll be correct, 100% correct. I'm telling you right now, Hendon Hooker is going in the first round. Oh, yeah. I can see that. That's That's been the hot story in the last uh, week or two. I keep seeing him. Yeah, there's been a lot of smoke around that. I can I can see it. I wouldn't do it, but I can see it. <laughs> exactly. So we, we were talking last show. We were talking last show. If if that guy didn't have the injury 
and he kept on on the same trajectory that he was playing at, number one, would have been shooting for the Heisman, but also number two, we'd be talking about him with these other four quarterbacks right now. Would have been five right. taken in the top ten probably. His offense will hurt him, the offense he plays in, but – I think if, if you're a team in that lower half, you know, guys, you know, who have, you know, guys, veterans, you know, Minnesota, it, it comes up to mind right now with, with Kirk, you know, Cousins coming up on his contract, you know, you can pick them and stash them for a year. You know, you, you have a veteran, you know, if you go Tampa Bay, if you, if you, you know, they're, the rumor is they're trying to jump up and, and get one of these top four quarterbacks. But, you know, if you strike out, you know, you have you know, Baker Mayfield for a season or even, you know, Kyle Trask, a former second round pick that you can kind of play with with this year and just let Hooker sit on the bench and, and heal up. And next thing you know, next year he's in there taking off. And the age thing, I know he gets knocked for the age thing at all, but you know what? You know, that's fine for me because because if, if he's if he's as good as I think he's going to be, I mean, you're going to have a court. He's going to be playing into his you know late 30s. You know, so I, I, that doesn't bother me at all. I, uh, I'm just really, I'm really, I'm trying to see it with him and Hooker. I, I see he throws a very pretty ball, very catchable ball, but I do worry about how that offense is going to affect him at the NFL level is very much one read one side of the field. I mean, if you look at that tape, if you watch the wide receivers on one side of the field versus the receivers on the other side of the field, whichever you can tell which way the read is based on how hard the receivers are running. Right. And if the receivers aren't running hard on one side of the field, the ball's not going to them. I think right. there's a there's also a little bit of inaccuracy on in terms of catchable passes in the deep ball. I think Sports Info Solutions has him at one of the lower catchable pass rates, catchable um, pass rates among the draftable quarterbacks this year. But I mean, you, you look at the production, and I think the production is going to keep him in day two. I I just wouldn't do it in day one. I think. Day two should be the range for him, but some team. I think now that you're seeing a lot of smoke about it, I'm starting to feel like, yeah, some team's going to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me squeeze a couple more in here for JP. Uh, let's see. J2K wants to know who's a mid to late round defensive end. We talked a little bit about this, but give me a mid to late rounder, late rounder uh, that you think might uh, uh, be an exciting pick. Oh, man. This is, this is a good one. This is a good one. I think of a guy like Isaiah McGuire from Missouri. Big, long athlete, strong hands, was at the Senior Bowl. Another guy who I think can be a developmental guy for Chicago. is a 4-3 in, has some pass rush upside, but another guy, big, strong. You want him setting the edge against the run, but Another guy who I think is going to go real late day three, I believe his name is B.J. Thompson from Stephen F. Austin. He had a great showing at the Shrine Bowl. Uh, One of my friends, Alex Katzen, he was at the Shrine Bowl. He said B.J. Thompson killed it. Right now, his frame is not there. He is built like a basketball player. But he's got extremely long arms, extremely quick first step. You get him into an NFL weight room, you develop him, you might have something there. Yeah, I saw him down at the East West Shrine game. Yeah, he's he's got that first half quickness and he's got that that length that, that you like about him. But another guy, late round guy or late second, early third round guy, defensive end, Yaya Diaby from Louisville. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. he's, that's another big, long, strong dude. They, there are a lot of guys this year. They're not going to be the most bendy dudes, but they are. I run through a you know what's face. Shout out to Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> 
Uh, JP, one non-draft question. Cliff Victoria wants to know if you have got any thoughts on Rasheem Green. He is the five-year defensive end that Ryan Poles signed to a one-year contract today. Uh, have you followed him at all during his NFL career? I forgot what what school did Green USC. go to. He went to USC. 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 Right. I think uh, in Seattle, he bounced around a little bit. He played a little bit of edge, played a little bit inside. I think with Chicago, what you want is you want you want as many throws at the dartboard as you can. You want to take a guy like Green, Rasheem Green, excuse me, get him playing on the inside, try and play him on the outside. Worst case scenario, you have depth. And that's something that Chicago didn't have last year. Didn't have a lot of depth on top of not that many top-end talents on that defensive side of the ball. That's what you really need at this point. I can definitely see them going after getting Rasheem Green. You want to get – as many guys you can into that roster, onto that uh, defensive side of the field, defensive locker room, just see what happens. Put them in the defense, see what happens, see if you can make it work. They just need as many throws at the dartboard as you can. It's like it's like the home run derby, man. You got to get as many swings at the ball as possible. One of them will go out the park. Maybe one of them will be a good line drive. You just need to swing. There you go. You got it. You can't. Uh, Wayne Gretzky used to say, "You can't score goals if you don't shoot the puck, and you, you can't oh, yeah. uh, get great defensive ends if you don't draft them or acquire them somehow." Uh, JP, tell us uh, what you're working on and where people can interact with you on social media. Yep. So follow me on Twitter at Acosta32 underscore JP. I have a really big feature story profile on Anthony Richardson. That's going to be coming out a, a few days before the draft. I'm also going to be continuing to doing some NFL draft stuff over at SB Nation. We got this cool project coming up, Football Court, where I pretend to be a lawyer and debate draft prospects with my co-writer, Mark Schofield, and my other co-writer, James Dador. So kept oh, yeah. checking that out. See if I'm pretty good as a lawyer. You can give me some feedback or not if I'm good at that. Maybe if I'm good enough, I'll just drop everything and go try and be a lawyer. We call Mark Schofield as a friend of the show. We call him the quarterback whisperer. What, what do you think about Hendon Hooker? Have you talked to him about Hendon Hooker yet? Oh, we've talked about Hendon Hooker a lot. We we make a lot of fun of the Tennessee offense for being yeah. what it is in terms of scouting. But love love the production. Love his ability to get the ball out. I think that's something where he, he sees it and he's going to take it. That's a guy with a lot of confidence. And that's something you can't really teach. You can't teach a quarterback to go take those shots. You can teach a quarterback to be like, hey, you want to pull it in a little bit. You don't have to teach a guy to go out and get it. Yeah, we got to get we got to get Mark on the on the show as well. Talk about him. Talk about quarterbacks with them too. Absolutely. Yeah. By by the way, Mark was a lawyer, so um, I I cannot see he him allowing you to get into yeah. the judicial system uh, when he ran away from it. I'm sure he wants to keep in the football side of things. JP, you're the absolute best. Uh, we'll be bugging you again. Uh, you know your stuff, and, and you present it so well uh, for all of us fans, the guys who are not following the draft as closely and also those who are draft nicks like many of us here in the chat room. Uh, you present it in such a, 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 a easy manner to digest, and so that's why we love you. We'll be bothering you again. Okay, brother? Absolutely. Anytime. Yeah, this is right, fun. I always say we're, we're going to disagree. We agreed. Me and JP are agreeing on a bunch of stuff. So there was, there was no debate. Great minds. Like, you know, they can have you back on after the draft and we can review the, the Bears draft for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, Sounds good. Awesome. All right. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back. And Danny and Neil are going to debate a few topics and also answer more questions from the chat room. Stay tuned, everybody. 
It's my little concern. What I liked about him when I saw him in person at the East-West. So I think this kid gives you a lot of potential in terms of what you're looking for up front. I see him in the Bears offense as a Z or a slot receiver, not the X, because they want the real big guy playing the X. He could be sitting out there in the third round, and you could be getting a guy that could be your situational pass rusher. I think he's a perfect fit for what I've been told the Bears are looking for. This is my three technique for the Bears, especially if you don't take a guy like Jalen Carter at the top of the draft. This will be a nice pickup. It's perfectly in the system. My gut feeling is this would not be a guy the Bears would take. It's a good name because that's a guy that I'm intrigued by. Obviously, here with, with the Bears, you know, defensive line, defensive front is, is a huge need. I think he's the best center in, in this draft. Patreon.com forward slash barroom draft. That's where you can get all that exclusive content. It is scouting reports specifically designed for Chicago Bears fans. They talk about scheme fits with the Bears and look at them through the lens of Chicago Bears. All right, guys. Um, let me see if I can get a couple of these questions out of the way uh, before we get on to our debate segment. Uh, let's see. Let's go with um, J-Rock wants to know, Kalija Kansi, is he a fit at three-tech for the Bears cover two offense? Uh, we talked about this a little earlier, J-Rock, but uh, guys, why don't you go ahead and expound on it? Anyone jump in? Yeah, for me, I, ahead, I think he's an ideal fit in terms of his, you know, the twitchiness and in, in his frame, you know, the ability to explore all of, off the snap and get up into the gap. You know, everything you put on his tape, you know, his measurables, that's the one thing you, you see with these guys that do well at the combine or these pro day numbers. You want to see, does that athleticism you know, kind of reflect on their tape? And, and it surely does with, with Kanti. I mean, he is lightning quick from that interior defensive tackle position. You know, my, my, my concern, I believe Neil is, is on board with me here as well, is just the arm length. And I mean, we just, mm-hmm. you know, guys with those type of short arms, you know, just, you know, generally don't really have that much success at the next level. Um, so that, that's the one thing where, where, you know, the, the first round buzz on him, I think to me is too rich. You know, if, if he's there, you know, late second round with one of those picks and you haven't addressed interior defensive tackle and you want to take a, a flyer on the kid that's got the athleticism, the, the ability to get back in or get into the, the, you know, the backfield and cause havoc, you know, I take a flyer there and especially, I would love to have him that, 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 that first pick in that third round, I think it was pick 64 or something like that. So mm-hmm. that'd be ideal. I don't think it's going to last that long, but, uh, yeah, is the fit? Yes. Uh, unfortunately, the arm length bothers me for in terms of a first round grade. Yeah, I agree. We we talked about it earlier in the show today. I gave my thoughts then. We talked about it after the combine as well. And you know, I I agree. If you if you have him just kind of kicking around over there at 64, first pick of the third round, and in terms of a value pick, I'm not sure that you can get a whole lot better. But at the same time, you know, in in, in terms of what you need that that uh, specific position player to do, yeah, sure, he's a fit, but also um, you know, from the standpoint of of his measurables, you know, we, we keep talking about the arm length, the arm length, the arm length. I think it's important to to point out that the reason why Aaron Donald is so successful is because of the arm length. You know, he's not successful because he's a small dude. He sure is he is sure is successful because he's explosive as hell. But what helps is him being able to establish leverage with those 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 arms, and a two inch difference is a massive difference. You talk about four total inches of him being able to establish leverage on on the interior defensive or offensive lineman, uh, in that sense. So 
yeah, you know, he, he's a really interesting player. You know, the production on field has been well established by us, by everybody you listen to, to everyone that you talk to, all the talking heads on TV and everything else. It's just, you know, certainly for first round, massive stretch, too, way too rich for my blood. Second round, if he's there at the back end, I think you have to think about it. You know, he's certainly a guy you should have on the board, but also he doesn't necessarily fit as well. So there's a lot of thought that goes into that. And I, I think that, uh, you know, once you get to – 54, 61, that's where we're at, right? 54 and 61? 53, mm-hmm. 54? 53, um, I think. 53 and 61, yes. Right. If, if, if he's still there, certainly have to think about it. But I also think that those two picks are going to sort of circulate around what ends up happening, you know, with that ninth pick in the first round. The one thing with these picks, though, is, is you know, these four first four picks, they have to come in and, and if they're not starters, be, be heavy contributors. impact players. Yes, next year for the Bears. You need these first four picks to come in and be heavy contributors. And that, that's the one thing is when scouting these players, is, is I'm taking a look, especially if, if guys, if I have a third or, or second round grade on them, and I was like, well, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to be an ideal fit. Will they come in big impact? You know, for me, when I'm, when I'm putting my board together, I'm, again, I'm, I'm looking at through the lens of the Chicago Bears. You know, I might drop a guy because I don't think he'll have immediate impact on those first four picks. You know, I want immediate impact players. Yeah, and I, and I think if he does end up going towards the back end of the first round, if, if somebody does reach for him, it's going to be one of these teams that we talked about before that does have an embarrassment and riches type of situation. You know, right. guys that – teams that have guys that are well-established on the defensive line, uh, teams that are successful that can that – can, go ahead and take a stab at a kid that is as, as explosive as he is, has been as productive as he is at the college level. I think that if there's a team that's going to do it at the back end of round one, that's going to be the type of, of team that does it. But I think that most of the teams out there are probably on the same page as what we're talking about right now, that they peg him as a, as a day two guy, probably round two, maybe top end of round three, depending on, you know, your, your, uh, your, your uh, franchise specific you know, requirements for that particular position. Um, at, and, you know, again, if if, uh, if if he is there in a position where we are drafting, I think you got to think about it. But again, I think it's going to all circulate around what happens in round one for us. I think uh, Eric is like me, has developed a an affinity for Darnell Washington. And he asked this question, is there a world that Darnell Washington fits on this team? Love the ceiling and the run blocking ability. Yeah, this guy as a pass catcher has just scratched the surface. And as a run blocker, a lot of scouts say that he's better than many of the offensive tackles who are coming out into the draft as a, as a blocker. So do you, any of you guys see the possibility of Washington somehow making his way onto this Bears team? I don't. I just don't think we get yeah. to him. I should say I don't think he gets to us. Because he's you know? definitely a first-rounder, huh? Yeah, in, in, in terms of where, well, where we're drafting and, and you know, juxtaposing that against our needs, there there's no way that – that this this outfit this 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 uh this personnel group is going to go ahead and get a tight end before pick sixty four. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. I, if if we go ahead and take a tight end, it's going to be at at earliest one hundred three. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it, it doesn't. There's not a need. It, I mean, your offense defensive line, you know, they need to be addressed, especially right tackle. Uh, we talked about the edge, and we talked about defensive tackle. You know, those have to be addressed, and that that's got those four four picks. First four picks have to be addressing those specific needs and and even if you you know get two different tackles and an edge player and a tackle you know with the first four picks you still have a, a nickel corner you know possibility you need there as well mm-hmm. another receiver is is my my idea in terms of getting another receiver you know there's other needs there before you get tight. i mean you have cole Komet, who i think is, is coming into his own 
Um, you know, not a superstar by any means, but he, he's, a, he's a solid football player so far and, and potentially could get better. And I think, you know, a, a one signing that, that it's kind of has been, you know, a little bit kind of kicked to the side here is, is Robert Tunyon. I, I know, you know, he, he's an ex-packer, blah, 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 but, but you know, two years ago, uh, you know, two years removed from this past season, he had 11 touchdowns. Now, I'm not saying he's going to come out there and, and set the world on fire, but he's a, he's a red zone target. He's, he's a pretty good pass catcher coming out, you know, in terms of flanking him out in, into the slot. You know, he's, he's a crafty uh, guy who gets gets open, especially in that red zone area. So, you know, don't poo-poo that, that signing of Robert Tunyon. As long as he stays healthy, I think he's going to be a, a nice contributor, a nice compliment to, to Cole Komet. So, you know, tight end for me, guys, is not really a, a prime need. And, and, if, I, and if I'm, if I'm going to draft a tight end, it's probably day three. And a, and a guy I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that is, is there is, is Laporta from Iowa. I, I, I love Sam Laporta from Iowa. Yeah, you know, uh, Greg uh, filed his report on Sam Laporta, and he wasn't as impressed uh, uh, of Laporta as I was. He just sees him as a poor blocker who is a good move tight end, not great, but uh, a poor blocker. And I, I, for one, don't quite agree with that, but um, – We'll talk about that further down the line. All right, let's get to our uh, debate portion of the show. I've set up uh, four or five questions for the fellas, and uh, I think they're going to disagree on some of this stuff, but maybe not. We'll see. Uh, the first question that I have is we all know about Jalen Carter, the problems that he's had, uh, looked out of uh, out of shape at his pro day. In fact, he looked out of shape back in the national championship game, which was disconcerting as he was huffing and puffing on the sideline, uh, playing 52 snaps and only getting one tackle. Um, so he's had some problems off the field. Now, he did visit with the Chicago Bears this week. But I wanted to just get your thoughts on this. I'll start with you, Neil. You've got 30 seconds on the clock. If Jalen Carter is there at number nine, do you draft him? Uh, me personally, no. In a vacuum with all the information that we currently have at hand with the, uh, the issue that Happened the night of the national championship game with him uh, opting out of of all of the uh, the testing and everything, and even you know during his his pro day, gassed as hell, couldn't even finish the drills. Showed up you know twenty five pounds overweight. There's just a lot of red flags right now, and I understand they're going to meet with him and they're going to kind of feel one way or the other coming out of that meeting. But without being inside the four walls of that meeting room, I'm going to say no. All right. Uh... Danny, I, I was going to share my opinion, but I, I want you to jump in here first. Tell me your opinion. I'm going to restart the clock, and as soon as you see it going, why don't you jump in? Well, let's do it this way. You have a clock oh. malfunction. There we go. Yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, the, the talent, the talent is is that great. I mean, when he's on. I mean, he's he's one of the, the, the best probably defensive linemen in this draft. But the thing is, that's the thing is, is as Neil touched on, is that when he's on, and you know, this is where you know polls and and his scouts and and you know they have to kind of sit there and, and really dig into this kid. You know, assuming everything that you know, there's nothing else going to come out here in terms of legal issues, and then they feel comfortable with the kid. You know, Warren Sapp was was considered a troublemaker coming out of Miami. He ended up being a Hall of Famer. So I mean, and I'm just saying, like, this kid has that type of talent. He's a dude. And if you just are comfortable with the kid and, and just, you know, know they chalk what we've had now in the past to, to a young college kid, you got to take the talent. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of nuance that goes into that pick. Yeah. I mean, it's really hard to explain that in 30 seconds. Right. But, you know, the, the, the fact of it is, is that, you know, that entire staff probably sat in that room on, when, when was that, Tuesday, Monday? I think it was Tuesday. Wednesday? Whatever, whatever day that was. I mean, obviously, you know, he's – 
he's basically he's he's got the the light. He's being interrogated, you know, light shining his face, you know, catching all the questions. I mean, they're 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 going to they they, they probably ended up knowing what they were going to do about him. They, they probably had an idea going into this meeting. They probably felt better about either affirmed or or you know crossed him off. Um, their 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 thoughts and opinions on him uh, right after that meeting, and they probably know which direction they're going heading into the draft. Does does the you know signing of Rasheem Green today impact that whatsoever? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's interesting they they brought in yet another you know defensive lineman, um, a guy that is as, as versatile as he is, but I don't think it necessarily impacts. You know what they do in terms of Jalen, you know, a, a, a Carter and and you know pick number nine, but just that the fact that of it is, is that there's a lot of nuance that goes into this pick and a lot of information and a lot of discussions that are being had that we're not privy to. I'm just saying, if you just look at it in a in a vacuum, there's a lot of red flags there. There's a lot of things that make me really uneasy in my gut, and I'm going to have to be there in that room interrogating the hell out of Jalen Carter for me to feel good about you know where he is, you know what where his mental space is. Um, how committed he is to, you know, to, to the game, making this his, his career. Like the, 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 the pro day stuff was very concerning to me. You know, I, I understand that, you know, he had a lot of, he had a shit storm, you know, going on, you know, during the combine and that would have seriously affected his performance there. But with a few, uh, you know, extra weeks to prepare for the, for the pro day, he shows up overweight. He he's gassed during the workouts. He doesn't do the testing that that's extremely concerning to me. And that definitely plays into the, uh, the, the evaluation portion of, of the interview almost as much as the legal, you know, concern portion of that interview is, you know, where, where is he at right now? You know, is, is he just, you know, mentally effed up, you know, is, is he going to be able to like overcome this particular sort of adversity and continue on as the, uh, the, the, the massive impact player that we saw at Georgia. I mean, there, there's just a lot of questions. That's what I'm saying. Like if I'm not within the four walls of that meeting room, you know, I, I have a weird feeling in my gut about him, but at the same time, if I'm in, within the four walls, I ask the right questions. I get the right types of answers. He's, he, he's very, uh, um, he, he's, he's very open and honest and, and forefront with what happened that night with where his mental space was with, you know, what he was thinking and why he ended up at the, at the pro day the way that he was. And, you know, was kind of like contrite in, in a way, if that makes sense, then I feel a lot better about it. And if he's kicking around at number nine, I feel a lot better about it. But again, it's the nuance of it. Yeah. The one thing, one thing about this kid, you know, I think from, from kind of like a 10,000 foot view of him, you know, he doesn't fit this, this, this organization, right. In terms of the off the field stuff, in terms of the, the coaching staff and what they want on these players, these guys that are hustle to the ball all the time, these guys are in top, you know, physical shape, you know, you just like, Oh, this, he's not a fit. But you put on this tape, and when he, when he's on, he's dominant. And that's the thing is like that talent. If you can harness it, if you can find something, and you say, you know, I, I, if you're a defensive line coach, or if you're Matt Eberflus, if you're someone on that staff, and say, you know, the one, the one, that bad thing about this Bears team is they're so young. They don't have a veteran in that defensive line room. You know, Justin Jones maybe, but someone has got some, some, you know, some meat to them that says, you know what, the, you know. This is how I, I can take on, on my wings, and I'm gonna make sure this kid, you know, gets his head on straight and all that stuff. Because I'm telling you, when he's on, he is a game wrecker, and that's what the Bears do not have. He's a blue chip player, and but that's, that's my biggest thing. fear, Danny. Is you know, if like Don Burr writes, Jalen Carter going to the Detroit Lions. You know, they've got a pick before us. Uh, uh, that would it could be devastating for our offensive line. You know, oh, I don't think I mean, Yao Ming has anything to do with this, but go ahead, Aldo. <laughs> Sorry, uh, 
But you know, I I I I've seen tape where Jalen Carter is manhandling three offensive linemen, you know, just blowing past them. And if he brings that to the NFL, it's going to be a you know the Bears are really going to have to spend some resources on making sure the interior of that offensive line is solidified and that they have good blocking running backs uh, on this squad because it's going to take a village to keep this guy in check. The if one, he wants him at a high level, the one thing I, I don't I don't want either Jalen Carter or Tyree Wilson to go to the Detroit Lions because that that would be devastating. <laughs> for let, me, let me throw this out there: like is. Justin Fields is a consummate leader. And I think there's a couple other guys in the locker room that are absolute, you know, big boy, you know, grown up, buttoned up, you know, type of leaders. But the rest of the locker room, is, is, it, is it worth, you know, having an argument about is that locker room mature enough to handle a guy that could potentially have some issues? You know, are there enough guys in there to reel him back in when he strays off yeah. course? That's what I'm saying. You know what like, I mean? like, I don't think there is right at this moment. Right? I don't think there is a guy in there, especially at that D-line room. And like I said, Justin Jones is probably a respected veteran. You know, Billings is around. Last year. You know, but, but these guys are just, you know, they're, they're just, you know, you know, they're journeymen guys. They're not really, you know, Pro Bowl or, or guys that that carry that that you know that the name recognition that he'll be like, all right, you know, I'm not gonna mess around. Now you go to Detroit, for example. We just throw Detroit out there. You know, you have you know Aiden Hutchinson there, I'm always second year player, but still, you know, Aaron Glenn, you know, the defensive coordinator is gonna get up his ass. You know, head coach, you know. Uh, you know, Campbell's going to be on him. So, you know, he, he can't, he can't mess around there. You know, he's going to have those guys on him. You know, is Iberflus and his staff going to do that? You know, is he, is he different behind the cameras, you know, in, inside the locker room? We don't know. That's the thing you have to, you have to talk about as, a, as an organization, as a staff, you know, again, the, the talent is great, but it, it's, you know, if, if he comes here and thinks he can do whatever he wants, because he's going to be a millionaire, then, then you're asking for trouble. But I'll, I'll say this I, too. I'll, I'll say this too: if, if they end up going on and uh, taking the kid at nine, then that means everything that, that that we're talking about in terms of how comfortable they felt in that in that meeting room about the way he articulated himself and his answers and the facts around the case and you know their overall evaluation of the kid. I mean, if they go ahead and snatch him up at nine, that means that they vetted it, they vetted out everything that they possibly could. They're very comfortable with the way that that the kid presented himself. And all the questions that they had have been 1,000% answered. And then going forward, it's just a matter of, like, does, does he live up to the hype in, 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 as, as far as being a player? You know, right. does, does he end up being the dude that we need to solidify that particular position? So, right. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not – if, if it's a question of am I going to be upset that they take him or if I'm going to be happy that they take him, if, if they take him, that means that they've vetted everything and, and you know, I'm going to feel happy about it, right? Because I, I feel like this outfit – does a really good job of doing their research as opposed to the outfits before. I feel like they do a really good job of, of, you know, asking the right questions, doing the right research, evaluating it the, the, the right way. And I'm going to feel pretty good about uh, Jalen Carr if they go ahead and snatch him at nine. Yeah. If they take our nine, uh, I'll be like, all right, let's, let's go. Let's see what happens here. And, and I agree with Neil that they, they vetted him. They feel comfortable with him. They pass on him at nine. I'm holding my breath because if he goes to Philadelphia, if he goes to another team and he's, he's a, he's a stud, um, you know, it's gonna have another Warren Sapp, another another Randy Moss. You know, guys that that, that they've you know let go past because of you know off the field issues, and and, and the next thing you know, those guys are you know all pros. Oh, at the same well, time, the thing is, Tyree Wilson, thing... if he's available at nine, well, Tyree, that's versus a different story. Taking Car. You take yeah, Paris Johnson story. at nine versus Jalen Carr. It's like you know, right. again, you yeah, bring back exactly. the idea of nuance. Exactly. If, if it's between Tyree uh, Tyree Wilson and, and Jalen Carter, I'm going Tyree Wilson. You know, ten out of ten times. 
if it's if it's Paris Johnson versus you know Jalen Carter, I'm thinking hard about it. If he's available at nine, then that means he did not ace those talks with the Detroit Lions and the Seattle Seahawks, two teams that have been aligned with him. So that has to uh, give you pause as well. All right, moving on. Question Real number quick, two. I, know, I know I know we took too long here, but 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 Detroit and Seattle, they could go different paths. I mean, they might go quarterback just because of what you know they're they're doing in terms of their future. So it doesn't necessarily mean he he blew the interview. Just just saying, it depends on how they go. You know. Teams with multiple yeah. needs. Indeed. All right. Another three tech that uh, we've talked a lot about already on this show, but I wanted to get a gauge from you guys as to what his value is in this draft. I mean, I have seen him go in the first round now. You know, before the senior bowl, he was a fourth rounder in, in most cases. At the senior bowl, he jumped up to the second round uh, prospect, and now he's going in the first round in many uh, uh, mocks and, and uh, top. Uh, 25 pick and a lot of boards. I'm talking about, of course, Adetami Adabore out of Northwestern. So the question for you, uh, Danny, and then we'll go to Neil, is what do you think this guy's value is? Is he worthy of a first rounder? For me, the, the, he's not worthy of a first rounder just because the, the production doesn't match, you know, the athletic ability that they displayed at, at the senior bowl and at the combine, you know, you put on his tape, you see the athletic ability, but you just don't see the production. You don't see him getting to the quarterback. Now that could have been a part because of the way he was utilized. So that's why when I first scouted him, I said, this guy could be a prime candidate to kick inside a three technique. And I think that's where, you know, he could be, but, but again, a, a first round grade based off of what he did at the combine that that's hard for me. I think second round is, is where you, you get this kid. All right, uh, Neil, I'm going to, put you in the hot seat and as soon as you see the clock up and running take it away oh. <laughs> again <laughs> i fucked that up <laughs> there we go there it is hey you know we talked about this kid at length in previous shows and even today we went you know with uh with our, our special guest about uh a squared at length you know think about it is like he has the measurables uh, to be a, uh, a a rock solid fit at the three technique for us, he's got the power, he's got the he's got the speed, he's got the athletic ability. Um, that that's ultimately where he's going to be. I think, like I said before, way too rich for my blood at, at the tail end of the first round. I think he's a second round guy. Well, I, I, as a caveat to that, I think there's also a chance that he slips into the beginning of the third round. I think that going into all of our talks, all you know, all the film study, you know, prior to getting the show started. I feel like Adabare was a guy that had immense third round value that could slip into the second round. And now everybody's talking about him as a second rounder. You know, if, if you're betting people, you typically always go against the people. You go against the smoke. You go against, you know, all the, the, the rumors. I feel like he's also a guy that could potentially be there at the top end of, of round three. Is it likely? You know, maybe not, but I just kind of take everything with a grain of salt a little bit when, when I hear – all these, uh, all, all these reports and all the smoke and all these flames about a, a kid like that that didn't have the on-field production <laughs> that is a little bit undersized in terms of, of you know, his his size measurables, and uh, yeah, he he tore up the combine and all those different types of things, the testing and everything else. But you know, just talking to some people that I know around the league that they, they they kind of felt the same way going into it, you know, well after the fact that I. Had, kind of established that, that thought process, but it's like, okay, well, you know, if there's, a, if there's other people around the league thinking the same thing, then maybe that ends up being the case. Now, I also, I also think that, you know, kids have a tendency of going ahead and testing themselves up. And, and, and in this case, 
you're going to have teams in the second round, high in the second round, that are going to go ahead and take a kid that that is unique. And I think a lot of times when you have kids that sneak into into the back end of the first round, you have kids sneak up into the top end of the, of the uh, back end of the first round, top end of the second round, is because they they are unique in some sort of way, shape, or form. And I think you know Adbore has those different types of qualities of uniquity that would sort of like run him up, so to speak, coming out of out of the pre-draft process. Uh, Danny, Sam makes a good point here that Addy was playing out of position, has room for improvement to reach Pro Bowl peak level. He was playing the three-tech on third downs typically and uh, was out in the outside, which is really not his position. All right, right, guys, uh, let us move on to the next question. Uh, Let's see. Name one player you think can make a difference on this Bears team and can do it outside of a round one. In other words, somebody who is drafted around two or three or four or five, one player that you say, man, this guy could make a big difference and we don't have to spend the first rounder on this position. Uh, Neil, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think it's, oh, well, hang on. There, there's the clock. I think it's the Matt Bergeron kid out of Syracuse. We talked about him a little bit that, you know, with, with our guest. Um, we talked about him in shows prior coming out of senior bowl, coming out of, out of the combine. I think this kid is interesting. You know, he's, He's he's uh he's six foot five. He's flexible. He's bendy. He's got great feet. Got the typewriter type of variety of feet. Very quick. Uh, Salva's technique can use some work. Uh, he has an easy ability to redirect. Very nice twitch. You know he shows the ability to wall off. He shows the ability to adjust to his leverage. You know while engaged, play strength, anchors really well. You know very functional at the second level. And he's also a guy that I know I'm going well well over the uh, the 30 seconds here but i mean just in terms of context you know talking about him with some other guys that i that, that i know that i didn't talk about with that with uh, at a bar some other guys that were looking at matt bircher on the same way i think that he can also kick inside and so you're talking about a guy with with a bunch of length with a bunch of athletic ability all the measurables but also the position versatility to fill an additional need for the chicago bears if he doesn't work out at tackle a you know premier need we also have needs inside so i think he's a guy that you bring in you start him on a tackle. If he doesn't work out there, he's definitely going to work out inside, I feel. Go ahead, Nat, Danny. Start with my guy or? Uh, yeah, no. T- yeah, tell me tell me uh, who your guy is. Well, the guy I, I absolutely pounded here before is, is Tuli Tuopolutu from USC, but I, I think I've talked about him at nauseum here, so I'm going to give you someone else. I'm going to give you Derek Hall edge rusher from Auburn. I think this is a guy that, that, you know, you put on the SE, you know, the games on Saturday, you see him kind of flash and you, and, and I really didn't start appreciating Derek Hall until it was a senior bowl where he was named the defensive, uh, you know, practice player of the week. And when I started digging into his tape, you talk about a guy that just sacrifices his body. You know, he's not a, not a huge guy. He's one of these tweener guys, you know, he's like 6'3", 254 pounds, but he's got 34 inch arms. You know, he's a guy that, that, that can play on his feet in a two point stance. So he can go put his hand in the ground, be a defensive end, does a hell of a job in terms of a run defense. This is a guy that will sacrifice his body to be a good run defender. Sets a hard edge. You know, there are multiple times on, on tape for, at Auburn where he just takes on two blockers. All he does is just, just, Powell drives into the blockers to set that edge and funnel everything back inside to his to his big guy. So Derek Hall, you know, and he has that first step quickness. I mean, his his numbers at the combine were phenomenal. Four, five, five, forty, one, five, nine, ten yards split. You know, thirty-five and a half inch vertical. So he's got that lower body explosion. You know, he's not a guy that's got the the twitch or the bend that that I always sit out here and just say I want as as an edge rusher. He's more of a guy that that rather go through the blocker 
then go around the blocker. So he's, he comes with physicality. He's, he's a physical rusher. But again, first step quickness, gets off that line of scrimmage and has uses that one-arm pull move that Nick Bosa does now uh, that you know, obviously Reggie White made, you know, made, you know, great, the late great Reggie White made famous back in the day. So, you know, I just love this guy, his physicality, and he fits that profile that Matt Eberflus wants. Long, lean, you know, uh, physical player. And I think this is a guy that if you get in a second round, he's, he's, he's going to be an edge player that you can, you know, come in and put it right away and just, you know, again, he's not going to be a 15, 20 sack guy. He's a guy going to be, at, you know, good nine, 10, you know, solid player on, on the outside. The only negative about him is, 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 is weight. He's 253. But again, he plays bigger than that, uh, especially at the line of scrimmage when you watch him at Auburn. And, and for those who want to know my, my scouting report on him, uh, our Patreon customers will be able to see my full scouting report on Derek Hall coming up here within the next week or so. Um, I, <laughs> well done, too. Um, I, you know, I I like both of the players that you've brought up. The one concern I have with Matthew Bergeron is if, if you've got an opportunity to draft one of the top three or four offensive tackles and he could be playing that position, protecting Justin Fields for the next 10 years, you choose that guy as opposed to sure. a, a second or third rounder. Now, you know, the, maybe Jalen Carter does fall to number nine and then, therefore you are looking at the Matthew Bergeron's and that, then I can buy that. But I, I my mind right now three weeks out from uh, uh, the first round of the draft my mind is really locked in on nailing one of those top three offensive tackles for Justin Fields it's the best way to evaluate him in 2023 and to make sure that he really is the franchise quarterback moving on because he's gonna he's gonna demand a 40 to 50 million dollar contract in a couple of years and so you've got to give him all the resources in order to help him succeed to make sure that's going to be a good investment for the team, for the fans, and for ownership. Yeah, 100%. Right. And there's two different ways I could have gone with that. And, and you know, with uh, Matt Bergeron providing the context of that, that's that's assuming that Tyree Wilson ends up, you know, being available at nine. That's that's assuming that Jalen Carter ends up being available at nine and the Bears going ahead and taking one of those two defensive players. If you go and take a defensive player at nine, you go ahead and take your offensive tackle at 53, 54. I keep the other, the other thing there too is if they is. trade down, you know, there's a possibility they, they might trade down from nine and they're on the middle to late, you know, in, in the middle, you know, 15s or that area or maybe early 20s, depending how far they go down. Those guys uh, there know, as well. They, they might not have those three offense. I mean, first of all, for offense tackle for me, it's either Paris Johnson or, or, or Jones from Georgia. I, I, Skaronsky is, is a guard. So uh, I don't right. see him as a tackle. But, you know, if, so you, if you trade down that far, you know, you might not have those guys as an option for you. You might have to go with a, Miles Murphy as a defensive end guy, or might have a different position at all, you know, whatsoever. But anyway, so that's where you had done after going to go at second round for, for that tackle. And, and there are some pretty good tackles that are going to end up falling in that second and third round range. I mean, ultimately, I feel like it's going to be the offensive tackle at nine. You know, sitting here three weeks out, like you were saying, although I really feel like it's going to be, you know, the the, the, the tackle position at nine, which means that, you know, then going into that, that next pick in the second round, you're going to go ahead and try and get your edge rusher. Or you're going to get your uh, your interior, you know, havoc wreaker, you know, whether that be Tommy, whether that be uh, Keon White, whether that be uh, Anadike, you know, I can go on and on. I mean, there, there's there's a laundry list of guys that I have written down here that that could be, you know, fits for where the Bears end up drafting for their next position, you know, that first pick in the second round. So um could go several different ways. I'm just, you know, 
just presenting like a devil's advocate sort of situation. So we talk all the time about the tackle going in nine, tackle going in, and tackle going in nine. You know, in which case I think it's, it's Paris Johnson. If you go between Johnson or Jones, I'm going to take Johnson over Jones because he, he does have that. I keep talking all the time about position versatility. He's got the versatility, having played on the right side before, you know, functioning very highly on, on the left side of left tackle. And, you know, you get to the point to where um, you do have the option to go ahead and, and move Braxton if you need to and start Paris at left, or you put Paris at right, leave Braxton where he is. I love Braxton left tackle. I think that's our dude. But that you give Ryan, Ryan Poles gives himself the ability, the option to be versatile with his with his uh, his front five, and figure out what the best combination of dudes to protect protect Justin Fields going into the future. Good stuff, gentlemen. Let's move on to our next question. I'm going to turn off the clock, and uh, Danny, you go first on this one. The question I have for you, Danny, is: Is there a player that you would immediately swear at Ryan Poles? Say, "What are you doing, you idiot"? One, give me one player and why you would get so disappointed in Ryan Poles if he drafted him in the first round. Bijan Robinson. I did not draft running backs in the first round. Plain and simple. I wouldn't have drafted Saquon Barkley in the first round. Plain and simple. I do draft Bijan Robinson at number nine or, or you know, whatever. I, I, I'll lose my, and if they draft a cornerback at number nine, I'm going to lose my shit as well. So, you know, you, know, you, you asked me for one player, I gave you two. Bijan Robinson or any, any corner. Pick a corner. Uh, if you pick a, a corner in the first round, this is a deep corner class. He's about 30 corners I, that I've got that, that could be, you know, starting caliber corners in this league. You know, you don't draft a corner in the first round when you have needs on your offense and defensive line up front. So, uh, Bijan Robinson in any corner, I will lose my shit. And when we're doing this drafting live, if that happens, you guys turn in for a show. <laughs> I love it. All right, Neil, what do you got to say? <laughs> On that note, I hope that it, it, it be, ends up being a corner because I want to see Danny. I, <laughs> I think that would be great entertainment. I, I think it would really help with the ratings. Um, but no, I mean, if, if Danny's going to go that route, how about any player outside the three or four that we've been talking about at position nine, you know, since like a month ago? How about that? Mm-hmm. If we were just going to go ahead, like, you know, blank and answer the question, that, that, that's exactly <laughs> where I'm at. Because if it fits anything outside of Jalen Carter or Tyree Wilson or Paris Johnson or Broderick Jones, I, I might be like, what the hell are we doing? You know, especially if it ends up being, I mean, and you know, no slight against the kid or the program or anything else, but if it's, if it's Skaronsky, I'm going to sit here like, what the hell are we doing? Because we already know how this is going to end up. I don't think the kid has a shot in hell of playing tackle at, at the next level. And, uh, you know, everybody can say whatever they want to say about how the kid, you know, tries hard and the, the arm length may not matter. And in, in that case, he, he would be an anomaly, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're in a position where they need to get a guy. Not well. Well, you know, we, we could try him at the at this position, but ultimately, if it doesn't work out, we could still slot him here. No, we need a freaking guy. And so that that would kind of chat my ass a little bit. But ultimately, if it's not one of those like three or four guys that we've been talking about that at pick number nine, I'm, I'm going to be kind of like wondering what the hell we're doing. Uh, good stuff, fellas. Uh, I asked the chat room who they would hate to see at nine for the Bears. I got one response, and it is from the ever clever. Cliff Victoria saying that was way too easy of an answer. I would have said that. It's just way too easy of an answer. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, J2K says Bijan and Jackson Smith and boy, oh boy, the love for this guy, JSN, is just off the charts. Mm-hmm. I think that 30% of the social media Bears fans out there would love to see this guy or Bijan, maybe up to 45, 50% with those either one of those guys in round one. 
I don't understand why they have such an aversion to picking a trench player in the first round. They want these flashy guys. That's not the way to build a football team. If, if, I don't care who your receivers are. I don't care who your running backs are. If your offense, the defensive line suck, your team suck. You got to fix those. You know, we got you got to fix those. It's plain and simple. It's it's time to invest in, on those two lines, uh, and and you got to do that. And and you know, if you're Ryan Poles, hopefully, you know. Uh, like I said, when the season, when this offseason started, I said I, I got a big microscope and Ryan Poles is underneath it, and I'm I'm, I'm watching everything he does because this is this is his his offseason. This is him building this team his way, and man, you know, I, I just I just don't see them doing you know, especially with 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 you know Jackson Smith and Jigma. I know I know people like the connection with Ohio State and all that stuff, and and I've I've seen him being compared to to Justin Jefferson. I mean Justin Jefferson at LSU was a much better receiver than Jackson. I'm sorry. Jackson Smith, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and he was playing with Jamar Chase, and he was still making mm. plays on the football field. So again, I, I I don't I don't see that good player. You know, uh, I'm, I'm not saying he's a bad player or anything like that. I just you know when your offense and defensive line are need have holes in them and you need to be repaired, you do those first. Mm-hmm. And you know, and Cliff says he, he's playing devil's advocate here. He says, but both those players could be pro bowlers. Uh, you can't draft every pro bowler. You know, the key thing is let, let those guys be pro, pro bowlers uh, elsewhere. Make sure you draft your own pro bowler, at, particularly at a position of need. And there are, Correct. you know, I, I wish I had the data in front of me, but I've seen a lot of pro bowlers at wide receiver and running back who were not first round draft picks. Who, well, in fact, many of them pay three. Just put it this way, Cliff. I mean, yeah, Jackson Smith and Jigma could be a pro bowler. I'm not. I'm not denying. It. Even Bijan Robinson, I like Bijan. He's a top, my top ranked running back. I'm not saying he's, he's a slouch, but so, but who are you gonna bench? You know, three receiver. You know, you got you got Darnell Mooney, you got DJ Moore, and you got Claypool. I know Claypool hasn't done anything, but you give up a high second round pick for him. You, you he's gonna give him a chance to play. So I mean, you're not gonna be out there in, in four receiver sets all the time, right? So it's like right. you, you gotta spend a high pick on on a guy that may see what. 50% of the snaps or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. and again, you know, this is not, this is, and he's not, you know, he's not a, a high caliber player like Jamar Chase or, or, or Justin Jefferson or, you know, some of these, these receivers that we've seen come out these last couple of years, you know? So um, again, I, I just, I just don't see it, uh, especially, you know, if, if you, if you had an off, if you are like a, a team like the Eagles, for example, number 10, where you have a pretty good solid base, you have, you know, pretty good, you, you've lost some players here and there on, on your offensive defensive lines and you have to recoup those. You know, if you go get uh, a B. John Robinson, you just lost Miles Sanders. I can see them doing that, but they won't even do that because the Eagles will not draft a running back or a linebacker in the first round. That's one of the reasons why they're always competitive because they have good offensive defensive lines. Indeed. Good stuff, gentlemen. All right, the last question, and, and uh, Neil, I, I'd like to start with you. I have been for months now saying that the Bears' number one running back will be drafted on uh, – What's that? What's day three? What's the day for day three? The 29th of the 30th Saturday. of April, whatever. Yeah, that Saturday. 29th. That's when the, the 29th. The 29th. That's when the Bears will draft their uh, number one running back. I really believe that because it's, it's, it's such a deep class. But I want to know from you guys, starting with you, Neil, first. What's your plan for the running back position with the Chicago Bears? We know that we've got Khalil Herbert. You know, talk to me about him and how he fits in. Talk to me about the new guy that we just signed, Deontay Foreman. And then talk to me about what you are going to do in this draft so that this running back class for 2023 for the Chicago Bears team is going to be outstanding. 
Take it away, brother. I, I think Herbert has a lot of potential in this offense. I think that we saw a little bit of that potential last year as sort of change of pace guy behind, you know, David Montgomery. You know, he's he's got uh, he's got a lot of speed and some playmaking ability. The the thing that I did not like about him, the same thing I did not like in college, was his ability to you know pick up the blitz and function on third down. But uh, those are all things that, again, as long as he's got the willingness, he's got the toughness to be able to do it. You know, those are learned, you know, traits. So those are those are learned skills. Um, the Deontay Foreman kid, you know, once Carolina traded away, um, you know, their superstar, this kid showed up and showed out and, and you know, made a little bit of a name for himself. You know, kind of put his name on the map a little bit. And I think it's interesting to see you know, what he could then provide this offense. And we got two other guys that, you know, one we drafted in Tristan Ebner who is, you know, he's he, he's maybe a third down guy, pass blocker. He's a special teams guy. He's he's a, he's a kid that could develop into something, but we don't know what we have with him yet necessarily. And the Travis Homer kid is kind of the same way. So we have four in the room right now. Having five guys in the room is 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 a little bit tight. You know, there's not a whole lot of air, not a whole lot of oxygen to go around in that room. But at the same time, I feel like I, I don't think Herbert is your full-time number one option. I don't think John Form is your full-time number one option. And these other two kids, like I said, there's question marks. And so I think you're right, Aldo, in the sense that, you know, we're going to go into day three of this draft and we're going to probably go ahead and, and, you know, pick a tailback, potentially a guy that maybe could develop into the franchise tailback for as long as the Bears decide they want to go ahead and value him. You know, we all know that this franchise hasn't exactly done a great job of, of, of appreciating their tailbacks in the past. And, you know, rarely do they make it into a second contract. So, It'll be interesting to see exactly what they do. I mean, you know, two guys that I really have fallen in love with. The first one I've talked about ad nauseum was is uh, the Brown kid from Illinois. I think he has everything that you want. Uh, Dave Montgomery with a little bit more explosion. You know, he's tough on third down. He picks up the blitzes. He's got the willingness and toughness to be able to do it. He can function out of the backfield in the passing game. He's a he's a, you know a beast in the run game. Not only is is he quick and fast and explosive, but also he'll be more than happy to run your ass the hell over, especially in goal line situations. And so I really like the way that that kid carries the ball. And the Abanaconda kid from Pittsburgh has really sort of uh, not necessarily exploded or risen for me, but, you know, the more that I watch that guy, the more I like him, Uh, you know, and he put up some really good numbers during his pro day uh, earlier uh, uh, last month. It it wasn't this month. It was last month, I believe, you know, a couple weeks ago. And that was really impressive. But, you know, again, all these Pittsburgh guys end up going into their pro day and, you know, throwing up really impressive numbers. That's a testament to that strength staff over there. That's, that's That strength and conditioning staff does a phenomenal job developing these guys, making sure they're athletically, you know, capable of, of being impact players at the NFL. You can never really go wrong in terms of an athletic, tough dude from the University of Pittsburgh. And so those are two guys just like right off the top of my head without going through, a, a you know, a list of uh, running backs that I don't have, actually even have written down in front of me right now. But two guys that I, I've grown to really like, the Chase Brown kid, I feel like, you know, if, if I'm in position to get him on, on day three as early as I need to, if he's on the board, I'm going to go ahead and take that kid. I've, I am sold on Chase Brown. I think he could be the guy to, to bring it to that running back room to see what happens. Yeah, for me, I'm 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 in my minority here. I'm not worried about the running back position. Uh, I'm, you guys all know I, I was a huge Khalil Herbert fan coming out of Virginia Tech, and when that was a sixth round pick they made, I, I was excited. And I think he's he's gone ahead and proved me right here in terms of what he does. You know, he, when he's on the field, he's productive. The only thing with him, and you know, touch on it, is is staying healthy, staying on the field. 
you know, he's had some nicks here, here and there and missed some time. So obviously bringing in Deontay, Deontay Foreman, uh, who's, who's a different runner than, than Khalil Herbert. Khalil Herbert's got more of that cutback vision, the ability, you know, some, you know, contact power and balance to be able to bounce off of guys. Uh, Foreman's more of like a downhill guy that, that can, and, you know, just kind of, you know, hit the hole and take it downhill and he, he can run with some, some power lowers pads. And then also he's got some surprising speed for, for a big guy. And I think, you know, those would be a nice one, two punch there. Uh, we talked about Homer. I think he's going to be a primarily a special teams guy, but also a guy that can come out of the backfield and, you know, and catch the ball as well. So that's a nice change of pace there. I do think they're going to, you know, draft a guy in, in that on day three um you know my expectation is is there's gonna be some wheeling and dealing they're gonna get some extra picks and i think uh, one, you know they are gonna pick a running back and, and i think ebner is, is a guy that last year really kind of disappointed uh not only me but i think might have disappointed the coaching staff because by the end of the year he, he had he was benched and, and, a, and a journeyman guy like evans uh darrington evans was was getting his carry so i think ebner's out i think to bring in a, a young guy <clears throat> and a couple of the guys that i've kind of earmarked and Again, for our for our Patreon customers, I'm going to be breaking down some of these running backs and our and uh, coming up here soon, so you can you can watch my full breakdown of these guys. But you know, uh, the chat, awesome. You guys are jumping in here, and, and Neil, I touch on it. Israel Abakanda from Pitt is is a guy that I think is going to go that you know fourth round range. That that could be a, a a guy that can be a real gem in this draft. You know, a guy that no one's talked about is Xavier Valde uh, from Arizona State. Uh, he's a guy that uh, played you know, fifth year a senior. Played at the first four years of Wyoming. This past year was at Arizona State. And uh, I think Gabriel today tweeted out his his numbers today. That's pro day. 5'11", 204, ran a 4'440", you know, a 10, uh, 10 plus in, uh, foot broad jump, you know, 22 reps on the, on the bench, had a 40-inch vertical, uh, 7 even on, on the three cones. So he's got some phenomenal numbers, you know, at, you know, at three 1,000-yard seasons, uh, you know, two at Wyoming this past season at, at Arizona State, can catch the ball in the backfield. I think he had 37 receptions. Uh, you know, this past season with Arizona State. So that's another guy for sure is going to be available in that fifth round range probably. Um, you know, Sean Tucker from Syracuse is a guy I earmarked. He unfortunately has this, this mystery medical, you know, condition or, or something that uh, clearance that, that he's allowed not to uh, participate at, at uh, the combine and his pro day. Uh, you know, he came out on Twitter that, you know, he's, he's looking to get um, a medical clearance. So we obviously can't get into in terms of what it is or what it could be, but he's a guy from Syracuse, more of a, you know, a bigger body guy. Another guy kind of like lowers pad level runs well behind his pads and, and a guy that surprisingly, you know, does a decent job coming, you know, catch, catching the balls out of the backfield as well. So there's a ton of guys here. You know, I think someone in the chat mentioned Mike Hall from, from uh, Northwestern, not a guy that's going to really, you know, uh, impress you off you know off the cuff but you know just you know his numbers are good in terms of his, his athletic ability you know the guy runs hard can catch a ball out of the backfield you know again you're not looking for a guy to come in here and be a day one starter but you're looking at a guy for that's got potential has got a skill set that that can kind of you know complement your other two veterans and then just kind of you know work his way through the rotation here and then become a hopefully an eventual starter so yeah i'm not that worried uh, about running back, you know, maybe maybe I'll be proven, proven wrong. We'll see. But uh, I, I love the you know uh, the fact that we have Khalil Herbert and and Foreman starting, uh, or you know go one two punch yeah. and then you know bringing in a kid uh, as as a you know a day three pick that can you know compete there as well. So I'm not worried. Nobody did anyone mention Tajay Spears? I, I didn't no, know. I think Spears is going in second, third round. Really that early? Wow, jeez. Yeah. I, you know, I, I fell in love with him down at the Senior Bowl, and I'd love to, you know, one of the reasons I'm not worried, Danny, but one of the reasons I'd like to see depth in that running 
back room is so that we could take the burden off of Justin Fields running the ball. We still want to, of course, utilize that electric aspect of his game, but we don't want to use it so often enough that as the game wears on, his mechanics get worse because he's tired, because he's been banged around and so forth. I'd like to actually see the running backs, you know, be the leaders in rushing and not just have to depend on Justin Fields getting a thousand yards. And so I'd love to see, I, I think that the running back room, and, and I did forget the, the the Homer kid that was acquired, but he's going to be more for special teams and then right. uh, some special plays on third down. But I'd love to see an electrifying back, you know, who can run a 4-4, who can break the big one. Uh, Tristan Ebner was supposed to be that guy. He was supposed to be that pass rushing guy that came in on third down, but he couldn't pass block. And uh, hopefully the, the Bears can find somebody in this draft on day three that can provide those types of weapons. Guys, uh, I'd like to go here another 10, 15 minutes if I have your permission. Uh, we've been getting a lot of questions in the chat room about cornerbacks and would love to hear from you guys about cornerbacks in this draft that really interests you and make you think, okay, this guy would be a great day three or even heck I would risk a not risk, but I would invest a day two pick on this cornerback because he would really, really fit. Well, I know Danny has an aversion to cornerbacks right now. So I'll start with you, Neil. <laughs> I wouldn't rule it out that, at pick 64, the first pick of the third round that he goes ahead and takes a uh, immediate impact corner because polls at the very beginning of, of this pre-draft, you know, period here has said that he is going to address cornerback this off season. And he hasn't done it yet in free agency, which leads me to think that he is going to try and get an immediate impact player in the draft, which would mean that there would be probably some kicking around at around 64 you know, first pick of the third round. Uh, I think one of our previous guests said they felt that the run on corners was going to, yeah, there's going to be a couple of take in the first round, but probably mid late two going into three is, is that, that money area where you can go ahead and find yourself a nice athletic twitchy, long explosive, uh, you know, corner to come in and start immediately. You know, some of those guys that I really like, I mean, Darius rush, I think has had one of the best pre-draft processes of corners I've seen. And since we've been doing the show together, uh, love that kid. Um, we saw during the senior bowl, how he was pretty much running the routes for the receivers. That shows that that, that kid has incredible field awareness. He has, uh, he has an incredible ability to read the receiver and, uh, you know, to break on the balls, the, 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 the twitch, the quickness. And he followed that up when he tested out off the charts at the, at, uh, uh, the combine in Indy. Um, Julius Brent is another one that I think is really long and explosive and very intriguing. And then another guy that isn't really that big or long or, or anything like that is a Clark Phillips kid from Utah who has arguably the best twitch of any kid and the, the, the suddenness, the, the ability to break on a ball of, of any kid in the strap. He was really impressive running those drills. I know their, their drills are underwear their Olympics and not actually football, but the, the kid's really intriguing. And he's a guy that probably would be around at 64 if Poles decides to go ahead and pull a trigger on a corner that could come in immediately. Uh, is he going to do that? I Hell, I don't know. But uh, – I, I wouldn't I'm only saying I would not rule out the possibility of that happening, given the kind of comments that he has made about the cornerback position, it being a premier position, one that he wants to address. And I think if you're going to address premier positions, you do it at a time when you can get a guy that uh, is uh, highly talented and can come in and be an immediate impact guy. 
Yeah, I mean, um, I know you're joking in terms of in terms of me being opposed to. Corner. I just don't want a corner in the first round because there is a I ton understand. of depth. A ton of depth take a safety in the first round. Back. Let's go ahead and do that. In this draft class for, for the cornerbacks, but you know, I, I and then again, I, I might be someone that you guys don't agree with there, but I, I think you know, Kyle Gordon is to me is is an outside corner. He's not a, a, a nickel slot corner. I know that's where he started off last year, and I remember he started off and he, he was a little you know, getting picked on. And I think he, he was a little bit out of place. And I think once they injuries happened, I think they, they, they kind of moved them back and forth. But I think when he was outside, I think you saw his play kind of pick up. So for me, Kyler Gordon is the outside corner. I think Jalen Jones, <clears throat> excuse me, Jalen Jones, the rookie from last year, I think he came in and, and filled in admirably. So, you know, the, the corner is, is a need, but I, it's more for me is, is a nickel corner. And that's what I'm looking for. And, and then the two guys that I, I've kind of earmarked here, one of them, uh, Neil touched on with with uh, Darius Rush. I mean, that kid just opened up eyes, Donald Mobile, and and I think you know uh, just the fact that you know what he did in those practices, he was running routes for the receivers. Okay, I mean, this these, these are receivers he just met. You know, it's not like he he practices these guys every day and he kind of knew the offense. And you know, he was running routes for his receivers. And then they go, once it goes to the combine, you know, first of all, he's six two, hundred ninety eight pounds. Got 33 plus inch arm length. It ran a, it ran a was it a four three six forty with a one five one uh, uh, ten yard split, a 35 inch vertical. The kid's super explosive. Uh, you know, play makes plays on a, on a, on a ball. So that that's one kid. And but I think I think he might have just kind of bumped his stock up, or he might go second. You know, maybe you know maybe second round. I I don't know if he makes it to the third round. We'll see how the, how the rush goes there on, on on cornerbacks. Again, it's a really deep position group. The other guy, it's it's. And it boggles me. And maybe Neil, you can touch on this, but he's always listed as a safety, but I, I see him as a nickel. And and this it's Jatavius uh, Jartavius Martin from Illinois. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he played nickel for them. I know I know he backed up, you know, in terms of some safety, but I mean, this guy was was a nickel corner, and he was covering guys, and he's physical, and he's a guy that can play a two way go. He's a guy that if you want him to come in on on a, on a nickel corner blitz. He can be that guy. He's. The, I love his physicality. Uh, I love his, um, you know, uh, awareness. And, and when he's when he's back there in, in coverage, uh, three interceptions. I think eleven passes broken up this past season for the Illini. So, you know, another guy that that I would love to see that that type of player, uh, Jatavius Martin, come in here and be a nickel corner. Because again, I'm thinking Jalen Jones on the outside, and then Kyle Gore on the other side with with Jalen Johnson backing them up, and then I kill like Martin or, or Rush if you get them. Those are the kind of guys. And again, we're just touching, you know, touching the, the surface here on these cornerbacks. There's there's this kid Bennett from Maryland. Uh, I, I know uh, Banks gets the, a, lot, a lot of the uh, the pub there, but but Jacorian Bennett from Maryland is another guy uh, that could be a nice fit in the scheme here as well. So a ton of potential here with with the cornerbacks. And even if you wait until you know fourth round, I think you can get a guy that can come in and help you out right away. So again, really deep position group. Do not touch it until your offense defensive lines are, 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 you know, fixed. And then you go on and, and, and look at the corners. hundred percent. You know, the, uh, the Jacorian Bennett kid, he was uh, picked as the uh, DB the MVP by, by his peers down in Mobile. So he clearly did a lot of things right and earned a lot of respect if he didn't have it already down in Mobile by being named, you know, DB MVP by all those guys. But also, you know, the kid from Illinois, that, that could just be something as simple as, as uh, semantics and terminology. You know, if you go inside whatever it is that, that they call uh, that particular position on their depth chart at Illinois, it could very well be a nickel safety. He could be in a safety's room, you know, going into, uh, uh, you know, game week. So that, that that could be the reason why so many people have him as safety. So many, you know, 
But I believe the NFL projection. also at the combine listed him as safety. Was or is it a corner? Let me let me check that real quick. But uh, you can go. No, continue. I I think you're right because I I, yeah, I, I initially they, had him when I when I was first going through all this like massive list of guys. I initially had him on my safety sheet, and then I had to cross him out and, and you know switch him over to corner. And that and that's exactly what he is, you know. But I, what what I'm saying is that like you know, let, let, let's say you know Jim Nagy's he's he's doing his selections and everything else. And he knows that he's in the safeties room at Illinois. He might just go ahead and bring him out, you know, in, into um, the, the senior bowl process as a safety, knowing that that's where he played at Illinois. That's where all these uh, scouts have him on their sheets as, as a as a position that he had played at, at the you know college position at the college level, knowing far, you know far too well that he's going to naturally you know progress into you know being a nickel corner. Yeah, and then the thing is, like, even at the combine, they list him as safety. But yeah, but 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 the guy I was kind of pounding the table for in free agency was was Chauncey Gardner Johnson, and and you know you can kind of see this kid Martin playing that similar kind of role, being a guy that can that can be, play back there in a, in a safety if needed, as a third safety if you want, uh, come up and, and cover it in, in the nickel as well. And again, just the physicality he brings at the line of scrimmage for, for you know for a guy that that size. Uh, I, I just love the way he plays. And I think even the whole Illini defensive backfield with, with Sidney Brown and, of course, Witherspoon and this K. Martin. I mean, just they were just physical, you know, ball hawks, guys that make plays on the football. And I just loved watching them play week in and week out. And I just, you know, this is one kid that I just kind of earmarked when I saw him. Like, this could be a nice nickel corner for, for the Bears in their scheme. Yeah, I'm sure Tavis Martin, 5'11", 193, and a half arms. So, yeah, um, interesting player for sure. Can't can't get enough of the Illinois guys coming out of this class. They're all great players. I would love to have Sidney Brown. Somebody had mentioned Sidney Brown in there. Would yeah, love to have Sidney Brown. Take him in a heartbeat. Yeah. Package them together. Hey, I pick one of three. Can we can we do a package deal? You know? <laughs> Let's do it. One, get the bring, in, bring in the Brown brothers. Yeah. I mean that, that would fill that would fill a long thing is it's like you don't even need a safety, but I mean that would fill the running back and then the you know DB the B uh DB position. But yeah, I mean Sidney Brown instinctive. Mm-hmm. Hard-nosed guy. Um, I love his run oh, man, defense. He can cover too. Yeah, and, and that, that's one thing. I think he was kind of pigeonholed as, as just like a, you know, uh, like a box safety, if you will. But man, he, he was back there in, in the in the, um, in the senior bowl that like he was able to, you know, go back there and, and, and play some coverage as well. So yeah, Sidney Brown, big fan of him as well. Absolutely. Let's knock out a couple more here before we pull the plug on this episode. Um, let's see. Let's go with. Uh, Cliff asks, "How important do you think Danny and Neil? Th- how important do Danny and Neil think about the Bears' thirty interviews? They've get thirty interviews over at Hallis Hall. Is, no, is that how it works? Uh, or 30, yeah. 30 interviews at Hallis Hall? It's being over thirty, but yeah, yeah. Do you think, for instance, that they bring in a Jalen Carter, knowing, yeah, we really don't want to draft him, but we want people to maybe think we do, or, or maybe another position player like that? Would they?" invest something in trying to fool the opponent? Do you think that these interviews are important? Talk about that for a while. Go ahead, uh, Neil, start us off. I don't, I don't think you do it to fool opponents. I don't, I don't think it's optics at all because you have very little time as it is to be able to get you know deep inside the mind of, of all these potential prospects you're taking. But um, you know the thing about it is, especially with Jalen Carter, you have so many questions and so many different you know types of color flags that, that pop up with, uh, you know, his background and, and you know, what we've seen in the pre-draft process with him that you need to bring him in. If you have a position to potentially take him at nine, you need to bring that kid in and, and get all those questions answered. But that's the, the that's the whole point behind these interviews is that uh, you're able to spend an inordinate amount of time 
with uh, all these individuals that could fall at particular positions in the draft where you're sitting, depending on where you project them, right? And each team is going to have different players projected at different positions for different needs and wants. And so each team is going to bring in different players, obviously, and they're going to be able to, uh, you know, bring these these, these uh, individuals into their facilities and uh, get them on the board, ask questions that were maybe kind of uh, flimsy going through uh, schools in the fall, you know, particular players that, that I, you know, I've uh, had to talk about when I was at Mississippi State. Now, and we were a different operation in the sense that um, the, the, the two coaches that I was around allowed us to be as transparent as we needed to be talking about these kids' character backgrounds and, and play histories. But for other other uh, uh, programs like, uh, for instance, like Michigan State is, is, is one that pops off the top of my head as a, as a, as a particular program that wasn't very transparent about their kids, especially if they had if, if they had issues. Right. They would say, well, there, there's this issue and it was handled in house and it's no longer an issue anymore. You know, type of deal without going to too, to too many specifics and details, which I don't think is a great way to, to do business. I think that's kind of horseshit. But, um, you know, to each their own, I suppose. But for a kid that was at Michigan State that may have had, had some rumors, may have had some question marks, whatever the case may be, potential character flaw. That's 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 a perfect example of a type of kid to where this is so important for because you, you get to then see that kid at the table or on the board and answer the questions and look him in the eye and shake his hand and see exactly what kind of individual you're sitting, you know, and who is sitting in front of you and being able to answer all those different types of questions, whether they be character related, play related, you know, human related, a football intelligence related. Now, to be fair, you do also get these opportunities at several different other parts of the pre-draft process, right? You get them at the combine, you get them at the senior bowl. If he gets invited there, um, you may even run into them, you know, while you're on campus as a scout, you know, visiting, you know, doing one of your, your, your typical visits or, you know, your follow-ups or whatever the case may be, but you never get a chance to just go ahead and spend an entire day with a kid and really get a chance to know the, the human being that you may be, you know, picking up in the draft that your owner may be spending, you know, multiple millions of dollars in, in salary on and multiple millions of dollars in signing bonus on. I mean, these, these are investments after all. So you need to vet out the, these things and that's why they're so very important. Now with, you know, with, with the Bears, you know, they're going to make sure that they bring in guys that are well outside of the region so that they count towards the 30 visits and you're not bringing in a local kid because the local kids don't count. They can bring in, you know, uh, Adebore as many times as they want to. They could bring in Chase Brown as many times as they want to because they're local kids. You know, if there, if there was a kid at, uh, at at Notre Dame, maybe we'll bring him in and not you. They could bring him in. Generally, like a Midwest kid, if they're within a, a reasonable driving distance, I forget exactly what the number is. They could bring him in as many times as they want. You would bring in the kid from Georgia. You want to bring in the kid from Texas, from Florida, right? The kid that that uh, either you know played school there or grew up in that area are the kids that that you want to bring in so that you know you can bring in as many kids as possible to help make your decisions. Um, and in, in terms of of the local thing, it's either kids that grew up in the area or played school in the, or played football at a school in the area, right? So. You, know, you you can have a kid that that uh, played ball in New York, but if he's from Downers Grove, he can go ahead and bring that kid in. It counts as a local visit. The same kind of logic applies for uh, pro days as well. So, just you know, a, a bunch of different ways I just answered that question. But ultimately, yeah, these these visits are absolutely crucial because you're talking to kids not for optics, but for 
potential and ultimately, you know, final consideration in, into how you you uh, you uh, navigate your draft board, move the cards up and down, and see how how much of a, of a of a fit these guys truly are in your program. And a lot of times, when you're when you know before you go into these visits, it's splitting hairs. These help make those hairs a lot more thicker and able to sort through. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm you know. Pretty similar. I think they're very important. Uh, not not necessarily if, if you're bringing a player for a top 30 visit, it doesn't mean that you're, you're going to draft them or, or you're looking to draft them. A lot of times what these teams are doing is they're just bringing all these guys in to get some more information on them because you know, they're building this database. So in, in four years and five years, <clears throat> excuse me. Sorry about that. In four years and five years, when the kid's a free agent, they have some 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 background information on the kid. You know, they can revisit him if, you know, if they want to go and pursue him. So you know, in the case of Jalen Carter, we talked about how important it was to, to get him on the board. And I think with Carter, I think it was a two-day visit. You know, they had breakfast with him and then they had lunch and dinner and all that stuff. So they want to see, you know, you know, how does he present himself at dinner? You know, does he, is he on time? And, you know, stuff like that is, is what these teams look at, you know, and then, uh, you know, they break that stuff down on, 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 on the board as well. They, you know, they'll, they'll play back, you know, moments on, on, his, on his film and say, all right, Look like you're loafing here. Why are you loafing here? You know, maybe there's an injury that, that no one knows about, you know, it's stuff like that. So those are important. And then there's players that they bring in, like, you know, saying where, you know, they're like they're not going to draft them. Like I, I saw, you know, Darnell Wright was brought in tackle from Tennessee. I, I don't think he's a scheme fit, uh, you know, for, for the Bears, but, you know, but maybe he's a guy that, that, you know, might blow their socks off and be like, all right, you know, this guy might be a guy like in our culture, you know, you know, you know he, we need him here or something like that. Or, or maybe five years down the line when he's a free agent. They're going to go after him because they have that repertoire. You know, he's familiar with them. Uh, uh, Truman Emmons, the, the linebacker from from uh, they just signed from the Bills, he was talking about how he was brought in here for 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 a thirty day visit uh, prior to the draft. That, remember that was him in the Roquan Smith draft and how things had changed, how things are, are much better now at at, at Hall Hall because since it was you know it was uh, it was remodeled and all that stuff. So yeah, there, there's different ways of doing it, uh, different reasons for doing it. But yeah, I mean like a lot of times they take advantage of the local kid stuff like. Jaden Reed, the, the receiver from Michigan State, he's in for a visit. But he he played uh, high school football in Naperville, so he's a local kid. So it hasn't counted against the 30 visits. So you, you take advantage of all these little, you know, rules and stuff like that and, and you try and get to as much of these players as you can because, again, they're in your building, they're in your environment. You have them, you know, to yourself. You ask them the questions. You you, get, you build, again, that database, and, and you kind of get to know the player. And so then, again, whether you're going to draft them or whether you're going to go ahead and, and, and try and sign them in the future or whatnot or trade for them, you know, you have that background information. So, yeah, for me, the, these three visits are, are very important. Guys, uh, whoa, what happened to the picture? Whoa. That, that was freaky. Um, Frank just uh, submitted a question here. Where'd it go? Uh, oh, he says he wants to know about his uh, favorite tight end, uh, Strange. That's a kid from Penn State, right? Uh, I'm pretty sure that's a kid from Penn State. He likes him. Uh, late round guy, uh, maybe a UDFA. Let me see if I can find his profile real quick. Brenton. Brenton Strange um, caught uh, 20 passes for 225 yards and three touchdowns in 2021, uh, last season. 2022, do I have numbers for that? Uh, 32 catches for 362 yards and five touchdowns. Has anybody had a chance to take a look at Brendan Strange? I haven't broken down his tape yet, uh, but but he's going to get drafted. He's he's not a guy that's if you. I think he said something about a free agent. Now he's he's going to he's going to yeah. get drafted. Um, you know, a big body kind of one of those uh, tight ends that you kind of flank out. You know, uh, not not a guy not not a wide, not an inline blocking tight end. Uh, you know, more of these athletic types. I, I believe he had a great workout from a, a four seven forty, 
not not super great, but uh, one five seventeen yard split with a thirty six inch vertical. Uh, 7253 cone. So he showed some athletic ability there. So yeah, I think he's going to get drafted. I haven't, again, haven't broken him down in terms of his, his tape, but uh, just from, you know, I remember watching him uh, on Saturdays, you know, playing for Penn State. So, um, you know, saw a prospect, but uh, for now, I, I think he's more of a day three guy than, than an undrafted free agent. Hmm. Um, guys, one last question. Uh, Isaiah Foskey has been a topic of discussion in the chat. And I got to get your opinions. Neil and I are Notre Dame fans. We love Notre Dame. But uh, I got to give you my honest opinion here. I don't see Foskey being worthy of a pick in round one or round two. And he's definitely a round three. Neil, I'll start with you. What do you think? I agree. I, I think he's a um, a round three or day three guy. You know, he mm-hmm. did a phenomenal job of being productive on the field for Notre Dame, set the sack record, all those different types of things. And I think – you know, if, if you're doing the kind of work that, that takes a record away from somebody called Justin Tuck, then you're, you're doing some serious damage. But I don't see Justin Tuck and Isaiah Foskey. Uh, and it, it, it pains me to say that, you know, I, I'm not sure that I see him as, as a fit in, for what the Bears do. Hmm. Um, I, I, th- I felt like there, may, maybe I'm just like being way too overcritical because I'm, I'm way too close to it. Right, but there there are times last last year and in the year before to where I felt like uh, in in situations where he should be um, winning the game, the fact like taking the game over, uh, he was uh, non-existent. Sporadic. <laughs> he was sporadic. There you go. That was, was a good word. He was sporadic. That's a better word. Yes. You know, uh, not. I mean, you know, he he did a really good job of being clutch here and there, but I, I feel like in those situations, you want, like, like for instance, like Montez Sweat is arguably one of the best edge rushers I've ever been around, if mm-hmm. if not the best. He's certainly you know top five nominee. There are times when he took games over, right, and mm-hmm. and, and against you know national championship caliber like type competition too. Um, I can't remember. I, I can't pick the the particular game off the top of my head. If I looked at my notes, I'd, I'd, I'd tell you right away. But, you know, up by up by a score, team driving, makes three straight plays, either two – is that a two sacks and a TFL or a TFL and two – or a, a two TFLs and a sack to basically end the game. You know, he came in as the Mariano Rivera, closed the, the, the damn thing out. You know, I don't see Isaiah Foskey being that guy. Montez Sweat obviously was. That's why he went round one. But, um, you know, obviously different types of players too. But – I, I just, I'm just not sure he's a fit, man. Like, I, I, I love the kid. You know, he, he did some great things at Notre Dame, but you know, when it comes down to it, you want guys that are, they're going to take over and, and, uh, you know, win games for you. And I, I think that he's going to be a nice player. He might have a solid career. Um, I don't, I'm not sure he's going to be a Pro Bowl guy. I'm not sure he's going to be a big money guy, but you know, that's just like off the top of my head type thoughts. Yeah, that's good stuff. Again, okay, maybe I'm also maybe I'm being too hypercritical and too close to the situation too. Yeah, well, uh, I'm not, sure. and, 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 and I agree. And, and another shameless plug, my uh, Isaiah Fosgi scouting report will be up on our Patreon page here. Uh, the next couple days, so be sure to uh, I love this guy. In detail, but uh, yeah, I mean, for me, he, he's a he's a fourth round guy. Uh, you know, I, I put on his tape just because I've, I've, I've seen his stats and I've seen his production and I'm like, all right, I've expected it to be kind of see what he's got there and, and good athlete. Skinny waist, skinny feet, legs. You know, and not a guy. You know, that has no power at, at the point of contact. You know, gets absolutely whitewashed. And you know how many times I, I saw a tight end block him one on one. 
which is not good. You know, you know the sacks. I know he got double sacks the last couple of years, not, but those are mostly on hustle and just athletic ability. He's a guy that plays hard. You know, he plays hard and, and give you that, you know, in terms of effort. But, yeah, he's not a guy that, A, fits the scheme. Uh, B, uh, I, I just I just think his, his production was was overblown. And, again, I just I think he's a guy that developmental player. You know, a, a team might bring him in as, as a 3-4 team and just kind of put him out there, have him play special teams for a couple of years and see what he does because he's mm-hmm. got to get stronger. He's got to get thicker. And he's got no pass for Arsenal. I mean, his, his thing is if he doesn't beat you with his first, oh, okay. first, first step quickness – yeah, he's done. It's over. The game's over. So, yeah, I'm I'm not I'm not going to. Uh, you know, he's not a guy that I'm I'm earmarked here for for the Bears. So, it's a little preview of my scouting report, guys. If you know, you know, don't be a you know spoiler here. But uh, yeah, I'm not a big fan. <laughs> he's also not Chris Zorich either. I, I saw that uh, yeah, that comment not, in yeah. there. He's definitely not Chris Zorich. Chris Zorich was a bigger, badder motherfucker than than Isaiah Foskey. But I but I do understand that you know that comparison where. Zorich was a better college player than a pro. You know what I'm saying? I think that that was yeah. the intent of that uh, chat. Zorich was a football player. Foskey's an athlete. Yes. yes. That's the difference. Zorich was Absolutely. a bad dude. Absolutely. Absolutely. He, he, um, he's, he was he was damn near appointment viewing on set. I know, you know, at, at that time, Nardium had a bunch of dudes, right? Mm-hmm. But I mean, in – when, when, I, when I think about like my early fanhood as, as an Notre Dame fan, I mean, he's he's one of the names that pop up for me that actually means something, mm-hmm. right? You know, outside of, of of the normals, you know, like Bettis and and Rocket, Tim Brown, Tony Rice, all these guys. Like, yeah, those, those guys are obvious ones. Chris Orch was one of those names that like meant something to me. And even when he came to the yeah. Bears, he he had he had a, a, a solid time here. He wasn't. He, he wasn't uh, just uh, just a you know random guy, but at that time too, look- the the the, 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 the the franchise was kind of trashy as well. So, if they only move mm-hmm. him to linebacker, that's awfully thicker than that. Remember, remember that remember that talk? <laughs> I was like, put Zorja linebacker. Like, really? <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that. That was awful. Um, all right, that's going to do it for our show. I do want to tell everybody that uh, next week uh, is – well, actually, this week was the week that we started with both the Gabriel Talks football show early in the week and now draft on time later in the week. That's going to continue all the way up, up until draft week when our coverage then multiplies. It blows up, and we'll have all sorts of graphics and commercials and stuff to let you know. But what you should know right now is that every Monday, Greg Gabriel is going to be here to give you uh, some football talk, some draft talk, some some scouting talk. One of the things he's going to do Monday is he's actually done research on uh, if you're going to pick a wide receiver with the Bears' uh, second pick in a second round, on average, who is available in terms of how many wide receivers have been chosen over the last 10 years? 13, 14, 15 receivers. So on your board, you would see the 15th best receiver is going to be available here. He's going to talk about that much better than I can. And we've got a couple of other fun things planned for Monday show. On this show next Thursday, the guys are going to bring in some mock drafts. We'll analyze your mock drafts. Just three rounds. Give us the the, uh, four players that you've drafted for the Bears in your three rounds. Put them up in the chat room, and the guys will discuss them. We'll have some debates and and so forth. So it's mock draft week next uh, Thursday uh, for this show. And that is it for this show. Another reminder. Are we we giving our our second mock drafts, Neil and I? Yes, you are. Hell, yes, you are. Are are we allowed to make trades? If you want to, absolutely. 
All right, just making sure I get the rules straight this time. But only one trade. You know, I see these guys making 15 trades, and then their mock drafts is like the list 20, of 20 graduates. Draft coming up, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like everyone in the NFL, I mean, in the NFL draft, was drafted by the Bears because they traded so often they had 200 picks. <laughs> That's not right. Let's not do that. <laughs> guys, any final words, any shout-outs you, you want? I'll start with you first, Neil. Uh, no, not, nothing uh, specific. Just, uh, you know, I, I, I love all the guys and uh, gals and, you know, that uh, come into the chat and have great questions and great comments. I'm loving the, the little bit of nerdy nostalgia we had just a little bit ago. Brian Young, Todd Light, great guys. Um, keep them coming. But, um, yeah, just uh, I love you guys, you know, coming in and, and uh, talking ball and, and all these different types of things. And, again, I say it all the time. It's the reason why we do this show, just – you know, like, like, like the, the thing, share the thing, subscribe to the thing, hit the bell on the thing, whatever the hell you got to do to stoke that algorithm to just do all that stuff as always. <laughs> and, uh, you know, see you next week. Right. You got it. Just do yeah. that thing. Just do, that do thing. all those things, man. Just do, do the things. things. Oh man. I'm, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting psyched. I'm getting pumped up here. I mean, three weeks from today, uh, we're going to be doing a, a live show during the first round. Uh, we're actually, we're going to be doing live shows all, all weekend. So, you know, this is the place to be for, for the Bears draft coverage uh, wall to wall. Uh, like I said, you know, I got going to have scouting reports up on, on that Patreon page. You guys can go and take a look at all these players that we're talking about here and more to come. And I mean, uh, right now I'm, I'm knee deep in running backs and, and going to break down some cornerbacks as well. So, uh, you know, ton of players to go over, ton of, you know, ton of needs for the, for the Bears to fill. But uh, it should not be a running back in the first round. That is for damn sure. Or a safety. Yeah. Or, a safety. or a corner. Or a corner. Or, or, or a corner. <laughs> Or anything okay. besides those, those four players that we've been talking about not nonstop. Yeah. Anything outside yeah. of that is, is going to be a, a, a WTF. Up, if Tyree Wilson is the Bears' first round pick, I am going to be super excited. Ooh, man. You, you better have be a nice. champagne bottle on deck and pop that thing during the show. You better have like a six pack of Red Bull just pop and just spray it all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Uh, you guys are great. Yes, As sir. always, uh, thanks to uh, JP Acosta for joining us for the first 45 minutes of the show. And again, uh, if you've missed anything on the bar room, you, you can find it on our audio podcast uh, or on our YouTube channel. And the best way to stay on top of things is to follow me on Twitter at Barroom Network or to just subscribe here to our YouTube channel and you'll get alerts on and whatever device you use, uh, letting you know that we are on our way with a live show. All right. For Neil, for Danny, and for JP, my name is Alo Gandia. Take care. Bye-bye.